the, the, the sort of what precipitated me using Tumblr as a kid was like I was mm. part of it is that I was homeschooled and I spent a lot of time on the computer because I didn't have like maybe the same level of uh, social interaction as a usual child might have. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have friends. Uh, some, I was a Girl Scout when I was a kid and there was this girl that I had been in Girl Scouts with who I was good friends with and who at the time I was like extremely in love with. Uh, and she was really <laughs> sure. into Tumblr. And so I was like, okay, I have to, I have to use this website. Um, and it definitely took me a little while to get the hang of. And for a while I was just like making posts about like random things that were happening in my life. Like, oh, yeah. oh man, they took down the tire swing at Oz Park. I was like 12. <laughs> so this was still really relevant. Everybody, uh, everybody on Tumblr, just like yeah. getting that uh, tire swing hashtag oh, going. Boy, or it looks whatever, like tire really. swing discourse is happening yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's a tall, gangly man <laughs> hanging out by the tire uh-huh, swing. Uh-huh. He's yeah. got is tentacles. This, is this wrapped a Slenderman around. reference? He's doing I, I, a Slenderman reference. I wasn't here reference. for it. I want to have. I have thoughts on Slenderman. <laughs> AJ, what's that hat you're wearing? <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh, it's so. It's almost like the hat is full of some kind of mysterious substance. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Anyway, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Goo. <laughs> when I did engage with like uh with like other people who were like involved in like Tumblr fandom or like really deep into Tumblr culture, like I wanted to go along with it because I wanted to be liked, but I was also always kind of privately like, but this is a little embarrassing, right, guys? And <laughs> it's funny because I, I still have that impulse as an adult, I think, to like participate in something and also like set myself apart from it a little bit. Because my sure. webcomic definitely like takes place in a very like Tumblr aesthetic idiom in terms of like the cartoony art style and like the subcultural references. Mm-hmm. But I'm right, also right. obviously like making fun of it a little bit. And it's funny because I will get readers on the opposite sides of the spectrum who are like people who just like completely like seem to loathe the characters and like everything that's going on in the comic or people who are like, oh, Milo is just like me for real. So many possible worlds, but we got this. Welcome to the Worst of All Possible Worlds, the first and only podcast that is just like me for real. I'm the Worst of All Possible Joshes. I'm the Worst of All Possible AJs. I'm the Worst of All Possible Brian's. And today, uh, as you've been hearing in the intro, we are joined by yet another exciting guest. And uh, you might be familiar with him from his ongoing webcomic, What Happens Next, which uh, is quite the Tumblr sensation. And we're absolutely thrilled to have him on board. Uh, It is Max Graves. Max, hello. Hi. Before we get into today's episode, we'd love to hear just a little bit about uh, sort of you, the stuff that you make, and also how our Lord and Savior, John Avery Whitaker, came into your life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I am a webcomic artist, sort of, uh, you know, a much respected job that's been. Yeah. 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 You know, many, many heroes of the webcomics community, like the control delete guy. Yeah, uh, Penny Arcade. Penny Arcade. Yep, yep. You know, I actually did read Penny Arcade as a kid. Same. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah that guy who stabbed himself in the hand. So I think there was like the appeal. Like when I first started my webcomic, I had just like dropped out of college. Mm. And I was like, well, I want to do something with my time. I want to like continue doing some kind of creative work and like have something to show for like the end of this four years since all of my friends are going to have degrees and I'm not. Sure. I actually had like a webcomic before What Happens Next that like didn't go anywhere. I think everybody kind of has that first done. Sure. But yeah, after I had been like making art and like posting on like Twitter and Tumblr for a while, I had uh, the cartoonist Remy Boydell reach out to me 
uh, and Remy uh, is the is the artist of the image comic, The Pervert. There's a very funny side effect where any time Remy's name appears in any publication, it has parentheses, The Pervert, italicized right afterwards. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like the name of a translated French play from like Remy the, the 18th century. <laughs> and uh, Remy encouraged me to pursue comics. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll like try to write a short comic and like see where I'm going with that. Mm. And yeah. I was like, I, I had these characters that I had like, invented when i was 16 yeah and mm. i ended up using them to make a comic about the internet because at that point i was like unemployed and depressed uh, i was convinced that all my friends hated me and i wasn't doing a lot with my life i ended up just sort of writing what i knew which is sort mm-hmm. of a comic about like people who like whose lives are like tangled up in the internet in bizarre ways and it's also like it's a comic about it's like also a piece of of crime fiction but i was sort of exploring the overlap between like true crime and internet drama and like those things you know in a lot of ways they aren't actually that far apart like the comic is also like many of the principal characters are are homeschooled and i was sort of like looking back on that aspect of my life uh Mm. which is you know put a pin in that um i I listen to podcasts (laughs) like a lot more than like any other human being should any human being should um i like once checked and i was like oh i have like 15 podcasts in like my podcast rotation but you guys are, are one of my favorite ones. You're up there. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did Just- discover Adventures in Odyssey via listening to the worst of all possible worlds. I was not, my parents were not evangelical homeschoolers. My parents are actually okay. like left wing. My mom is mm. a, a Marxist academic. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. You're, you're a part of that very rare subgenre <laughs> of homeschoolers. Yeah. Rare, yeah. but important. Yeah. <laughs> I would not say that like my homeschooling experience was 100% positive, but it was definitely like yeah. in the moments where it was traumatic, it was traumatic in a completely different way. But I've always sure. had kind of a fascination with evangelical homeschoolers and evangelical media because it is this thing that is like similar to how I grew up, but also like completely fundamentally different. Mm-hmm, and sure. I also feel like in a lot of ways where like evangelicals are kind of the last like real subculture in America. Mm. There's so many things that like sort of like used to take place around like people like existing with each other in person, like subcultures Mm -hmm. that grew up around Mm -hmm. like music and like art and like that kind of thing. And like so much of that has like moved online, which I think has been accelerated by COVID and -hmm. everything is sort of very diffuse and diffuse. And like you get these like, I don't know, like TikTok kids who are like dressing up in whatever way or like you know, adopting certain aesthetic signifiers, but like they don't really have any connection to anyone or anything. I came across your comic during one of my regular searches that I do on social media for Adventures in Odyssey. And I came across a panel of what happens next in which uh, one of the main characters is listening to the episode where Eugene goes to hell. And that was, of course, something that we memorably covered with our friend Lev on the Wit Fucking Dies episode. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is a cool comic. I went, I read through the whole thing. I was like, oh, I wonder if you'd be interested in maybe coming on the show. And then I found out that you had been following us already. You've been subscribed to us on Patreon for like a year. Yeah, it's truly one of those weird things that, you know, we we you want to like leave a positive impact on the world like you want your legacy to uh, leave the world a better place than when you left it and uh all i can say is that uh the fact that we have now introduced you to this show max uh, i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah, I, I, i've impact? never been more ashamed <laughs> of anything uh that i've ever done uh, i'm so sorry that you now have to uh, uh take the poison that we do uh once a month uh but and especially this month 
because these are some real bad episodes. Of these Adventures are some. These are some. These are some rough episodes. Yes. Brian, how dare we you? This is you no, not I, this into is, the deep end, but into the heart of the Atlantic Ocean. It's yeah. very fortunate that you've already been listening to the show because if we were <laughs> throwing somebody who had never listened to this into these episodes, I think that it would they be wouldn't the call end. Us I think back. maybe that person yeah. wouldn't even show up to record. Yeah, you know? like th- this. This is by accident. This is a little bit of. This is another hodgepodge episode where, like, I'm introducing some characters that are going to be important in the next couple of episodes that we record and, but all of these grouped together was a really unpleasant experience <laughs> not you know usually there's like an ideal ideological thing that you can attach yourself to which is fun you know you get mad at it this mm. is just shitty writing this is just low 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 quality writing to the point where once we get to the fourth episode here, which is the only episode written by Phil Lawler, you're like, oh, here we go. Finally, yeah, someone finally who knows how to write. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a relief. Um, Like the Preacher's Kid episode. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute. But that yeah. one was just yeah. like unbearable to sit through. Like it's <laughs> yeah. so, so dull. It certainly was. And we might as well start by getting right into it. I think. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, this is this is Preacher's Kid. Episode 300 of Adventures in Odyssey written by Marshall Younger. Uh, which initially premiered on February 4 of 1995. A lot happens, weirdly, for an yeah. Odyssey episode, and yet nothing happens. Yes. <laughs> and it, yeah. it is it is funny watching Marshall Younger over the course of the three episodes by him that we listened to for this. Uh, sort of try and ape, in this one, I think, McCusker's style. Yes. And yeah. then uh, in the next one, more a lol, is a more of a Lawler episode. And then the third one is just, I think, a crime against humanity. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, well, we'll certainly get to that. I, it, you know, this one, th- the opening of this episode to me feels like it would be featured on that ch- like hashtag like church life TikTok thing. Like, <laughs> Josh, you were talking about like the the e- like Christian e-girl thing that's now coming oh, into like Christian e-girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. This this is a hot new demo. Have you Max? Have you seen have you seen this? The, the Christian e-girl uh, trend? Did you hear about this? Yeah, I mean, I'm like vaguely familiar with sort of like the the Christian girl influencers. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm mostly not a TikTok guy, actually. Okay. I try to avoid it yeah. as much as I possibly can because it's like I have like multiple friends friends who have like been doxxed by strangers because of like saying inflammatory things on yeah. TikTok and I'm like I I, cool. I should probably like I'm I'm Whoa. like putting enough poison into my brain as it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it, yeah. it makes it it, yeah. it makes it easier for them to track you down when they have your real face and Yeah, sound. exactly. Like I don't want to like talk into a camera and see people like look at my human head. Like that's right, just upsetting right, right. to me. But but yes, the 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 Christian e-girl trend, I guess. This is not just Christian girl influencer. This is Christian e-girl specifically, okay, which is, okay. you know, these are these are uh young women who are adopting the e-girl aesthetic to point people toward Christ. Yeah. Um, are we going to get like Christian girl VTubers next? <laughs> Could be big. Could be huge. Could be huge. Honestly, there's definitely a demo for that. Um, this, is, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's sort of like the the overlap of like anime waifu guy and like mm-hmm. reactionary 4chan user. And like as more and more of those people, uh, you know, stop being amazing atheist types and start becoming trad cath like yeah, that's gonna right. open up a real market for like right. the christian e-girl the christian e-girl influencers well, the the christian vtubers to step in right and these online trad cats they don't go to church so mm. they have to find some way to simulate going to tr- church so you might as well do it with a bunch of like with like a virtual cat girl mass or yeah. or in a radio drama yeah which is what happens in this episode <laughs> so, would you all like to know the exact moment that i felt ancient 
<laughs> was the word tradcath. What the fuck are you talking about? What is oh, this? AJ, 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 baby child. AJ, AJ Diddy, as a real Catholic, has no idea what trad Catholics oh, are. Oh, uh, sweet baby. Because he's not super online like Josh and I and Max. Uh, so, AJ... <laughs> Yeah. Once again, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Tradcast. This is going to be an episode of apologies across the board. <laughs> the traditional Catholics, AJ, they are oh, okay. uh, people who have decided to convert within like the last six years and they hate the Pope. You know, that, the usual. Oh, okay. They're, they're starting sure. their own Avignon papacy, but on different right. social media sites. Ugh, that, it's that. mostly it's mostly an aesthetic thing for them mm-hmm. uh, rather than specifically the marble statue guys. There's yeah. an overlap there. Yeah, oh, sure, sure, sure. OK, this is good to be discussing uh, a lot Church. of the up and coming trends in, yeah. uh, in in Catholicism and so forth. But I do want to pull this is very Protestant Odyssey if we yeah. can. This is very yeah. Protestant is, because this episode Preacher's Kid is about the PKs, right? Which yes. Catholics don't have. So because, this is a question that yeah. I have for for you, Max, which is. You know, you said that you did not grow up, obviously, in the church or in even a school. Was the pastor's kid phenomenon something that you were familiar with or not really? No, I was familiar with it pop culturally, but sure. in the city, I grew up in Chicago. So mm. the homeschooling community that I was a part of growing up, um, a lot of the people were sort of like very they were like some of them have become conservatives now, mm-hmm. but they were like uh, like hippie granola types. Some of yeah, them have yeah, like, yeah. gone down that anti-vax pipeline and now they own like 10 guns. Nice. Uh, that's yeah, their wonderful. business. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I, I was like aware of like the preacher's kid as like a concept, but I wasn't it wasn't something that I had direct experience with. Yeah. OK, cool. Well, Josh and I, of course, both went to Protestant Christian schools. We certainly knew our share of preachers kids. And the thing that you need to know about like the child of a pastor is that they're all just like little rats. (laughs) They're always just these strange little rodents who are more misbehaved than anyone else. They eat bizarre food and uh, yet they're also tattletales. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also very out of touch with their own kind of physical impulses. Right. And so. Even though they have all of these latent desires, they're not able to act on any of them. And so they channel that energy in Into very strange directions. violence. Yeah, uh. yeah I, I feel like I heard mostly about Preacher's Kid rhetoric from like TV shows. I remember there was sure. a, a cop. I mean, I think that's the whole premise of Seventh Heaven as a, right. as a television <laughs> yeah. show. Um, but it's also like I kind of understand the idea because there's sort of a similar vibe when you're like the coach's kid. Like in any sort of sports yeah, any kind team. of like public yeah parent yeah. F- figure like you have to yeah. sort of live up to that. Uh, a joke was on my dad for coaching the soccer team because I am the least athletic person perhaps alive, <laughs> uh, and so usually it's just like oh everyone's worried about nepotism like oh he's gonna give like AJ like the best position on the team and my dad was like no my child is terrible at soccer <laughs> let's put the actual good kids it was like one of the most only meritocracy teams in our little <laughs> and and. When it comes to this particular episode, and I think it's so funny that we keep on like sharing stories because we don't want to talk about this fucking episode. We are, and we I, are and dodging. I get it. I, I, get it. I get it. I promise you, I get it. But we have to talk about it. This is the content. Um, basically, this is the contract we made, <laughs> signed and sealed in blood. Um, basically, what's been going on, as we'll recall, with George, the the the, the patriarch George of the Barclay, Barclay. family. Uh, George Barkley oh. has, as of late, decided to become a pastor, right? He quit his 
uh, middle class job doing some broadly unspecified accounting. Well, he was work. laid off, but then he was offered a new job that he then didn't take because he right. went to seminary instead. And now he's not a seminarian, I think. I no, think at this he's point, a, he's he is a pastor full-blown he's pastor. A full, he's a full-blown yeah. pastor. And it was the McKinsey uh, branch in Odyssey, right, that he worked for? He was, he was one <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. for McKinsey. Exactly. He was fixing um, bread prices. <laughs> so George has been basically preaching at this church for a little bit now, and the kids keep dicking around. And this is yeah. becoming a problem just from a reputational perspective. Mrs. Erskine came up to me after the service today. You're kidding. What? She told both of you? You heard about this too? Mrs. Erskine has a way of getting her point across. You're telling me. Look, Donna, I know how Mrs. Erskine is, but this is the second time in two weeks she said something to me about you. I wasn't doing anything. Kevin dropped Marsh's purse and I laughed a little bit. Well, I wasn't the only one. Why did she single me out? Probably because you're the daughter of the preacher now. People are watching you more closely than they watch other kids. So I'm the only one that can no. get into trouble? No, of course not. As a matter of fact, a couple of them got in trouble last night. Did you hear about it? No. Uh, we were at the Donovan House. It's the new hangout for the kids, I guess, but it's condemned and ready to fall down, and they're not supposed to be there. You haven't been there, have you, Donna? No. Good, because it's dangerous and it's trespassing. I, I, I didn't clip the first scene, which is George giving a sermon while the scenario described well, happens. Thing. We have already seen what we just heard. Yeah. We already saw that or heard that happen, right? This is the yeah. second time we are re-describing something that we have already witnessed. I did find it like difficult to take notes on because yeah. it was mm. so like astonishingly boring. Like the only yeah. thing that happens that's of interest <laughs> in this part of the episode um, you guys have talked about before on the podcast, like in Odyssey, we do, we rarely see anybody at church. So right. I yeah. guess like that's something yeah. notable. That the, yeah, the this Barclay is a new thing. Yeah. yeah. Has introduced into the show's universe. But like, <laughs> it's rough when like the most interesting thing you can say about an episode of a Christian radio show is, oh, they go to church in this one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? And... This bit of exposition does kind of like, you're like, oh, okay. Like it sets up the entire conflict of the episode and you basically know completely how it's going to unfold from there. It's oh like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like she's being like, quote unquote, unruly in church and she's going to like end up at this abandoned house sometime. And then like, you know, she's going to get in trouble and it's going to cause conflict with her dad. Honestly, though, it doesn't even like, it's weird because it kind of sets up these conflicts and then resolves them in the most anticlimactic manner yes. possible. Mm -hmm. yes. Like it doesn't yeah. even deliver on what this implies is going to happen in the episode, which is already not very interesting. Yeah. Right. There's this Mrs. Erskine lady, right? Yeah. And who, who is know, a very real type of guy, I will absolutely. say. Absolutely. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Th there just isn't quite enough. Like, there's simultaneously no. too much of her and also not nearly enough. There's something about that first church scene, which I do think is interesting, in that mm. they just let... George Barkley just talk in the background and give a sermon. And you can tell he's fucking boring, but the show's <laughs> like, this is what a good pastor is. Well, it's, it sounds like an ASMR track a little bit because just every <laughs> once in a while you hear, Praise him, praise him, praise him. And I feel it, it like I feel like what's the little messaging ASMR. No, but, but, oh, but like what's the little messaging are they trying to like sneak into here? I will also say that I prefer my exposition to be delivered as if it were the muffin man. The Donovan House, the Donovan House, the oh, old yeah. abandoned Donovan House that's out by Grover's field, Gower's Field. <laughs> well, she's married to the Donovan House, the Donovan House, the Donovan House. Like it's it's just it's the most basic level. And the thing about Marshall Younger is that they're 
are interesting like bits of lore about the town that are dropped in here right. for example he's the lore guy because he's right. the lore guy so did i have fun listening to this episode yeah yeah, <laughs> that's a really bold thing to admit. Would anyone else? No. Well, no, and of probably course. not. Because the whole time I'm just like, "What the fuck happened to the Donovans?" Yeah. And then throughout the episode, he has little breadcrumbs that something very bad happened to the Donovans. Yes. We don't and, and talk about the Donovans, never. No. Which is just fucking weird. Anyway, let's let's hear oh, Mrs. Erskine bitching Donna out here. So I guess I'll see you at the dinner tomorrow. Right. Wait, dinner. The senior citizen's dinner, did you forget? The senior citizen's dinner? But I'm not even a senior in high school. Senior citizen's dinner? Your whole family's invited. The senior citizen class wants to say how much we really appreciate our new pastor's family. I would tell myself. So we're having a dinner. Now, you can't very well miss that, can you? Like, she is, this woman is awful. So the first scene, everyone's just like, you know, trying to pass some gum to each other. And she's like, shh. You awful fucking little kids! <laughs> you, you, it's like that British lady on the on the video that that was going around Twitter the other day, where she's like, "I will slap you halfway to Zimbabwe. Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Max, do you have experience with ladies like this? Oh, absolutely. Like, there are a lot of people like this in the homeschooling community because oh, sure. because oh. everything is run by people's parents. You're like mm-hmm. constantly like in the somebody's mom panopticon. You're, like, there is nothing you can do and nowhere you can go Panopti-mom. that is not being witnessed. Uh. Yeah, by by the panopticon. You're always you're always under surveillance, and like somebody is always like ri- like champing at the bit to like tell your parents on you. Is it just yeah. boredom? Do you think, or is there like some sort of like? I mean, what do you think drives that kind of behavior? in the penoptimum. I think that like a lot of people who homeschool and probably also a lot of like church ladies are just people who like get off on being controlling Mm. and like I don't know like just sort of this chronic need to like have your nose in everybody else's business because like I don't know, like your life is empty and you're bored and like you don't have much else going on. I always thought it was really nice that I went to a different church than the one that all my teachers went to. Like, like. Oh, yeah. Knowing the kids who had to go to school and church at the same time. So it's like, oh, yeah, I did something that was kind of shitty, but it's not going to make its way to my parents versus like, well, it's Sunday. They're talking after service and now they're going to bring up that shitty thing I did on Tuesday. God, yes. I remember that dynamic. Like (laughs) there were there were people. There were there were times because I was a real shit in high school. Right. And I know it's shocking. Uh, And there were times that I definitely was rude toward other kids moms. Um, But the only the only time that those moms sort of had their opportunity to bring those grievances back to me was through my own mom. And those opportunities, of course, raised themselves after morning service at church. That's just kind of the way these communities operate. Yeah, I think that's what I thought was interesting about this episode, because it's like, oh, yeah, I know this dynamic. I know who these people are. I know yeah. about yeah. these PKs. I love talking about PKs. You know me every day. Penalty I'm like, kicks, yeah. I'm like PK, PK, risky business. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. That was for Fuck, you. That was good. Uh, Thank <laughs> you. Pika, Pika, risky business. So, PK fire, PK uh, pulse. So Donna, yeah, she can't hang out with her friends like the the, right. the thing. She couldn't make it to a movie earlier. Now she can't make it to a hayride because she has to do the senior citizens dinner. She has to do all of these other events. She has lost her social life completely because of George's new status as the well, pastor. And this is the other thing that I kind of wanted to raise as a topic of conversation here. Right. Yeah. That George now being the pastor has just become completely 
enthrall to anything that any of his congregants demand of him. Yeah, I think on some level, this is maybe realistic for a new pastor. But on the other hand, the whole time I was like, none of this is Donna's fault. Like it's her Mm -hmm. dad is being a fucking bitch, you know? Yeah, honestly, through the whole episode, like, my primary reaction to it was just, oh, God, I feel, like, really bad for Donna. Yeah. I mean, like, imagine, like, being a teenager and, like, you have to go sit through a senior citizen's dinner instead of, like, going out (laughs) and having fun with your friends. Like, Donna did nothing wrong in this episode. Critical support for Donna. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's Um, fine. She, you know, she's hanging around abandoned building. My dad, uh taught the senior citizen Sunday school class. So I went mm. to plenty of the church senior citizen dinners <laughs> over at Earl's on Route 66. All right. And uh, oh boy. Oh boy. You, you you love to get like public readings of like email forwards that just really spoke to some <laughs> old lady named Bibbs. Like, yeah. Bibbs was yeah, a very I, sweet woman. She saw all of my plays in high school, but still. I, I just think, I just think it's like, it's so cruel that George has this impulsive, awful life decision. And everyone suffers for it. Like every episode that we've listened to ever since he became a pastor is just how much becoming a pastor has made his family suffer (laughs) in one way or another. Not only is Donna and and Jimmy, for that matter, not only are they getting it from the olds, they're also getting it from their peers. Right. So here is uh, Kevin talking to Donna's friend, Eric Myers. Uh, who wants to ask her out on a date to the hayride right. that they're going to. But but uh, Kevin gets in his head. You don't know the Barclays. I know the Barclays have changed. They're the preacher family now. You're crazy. I'm serious. You'll have to watch every step you take. You date Donna, you date the preacher. Damn. <laughs> and we get a fantasy this a sequence? Idea, yeah. I've this was wild. I've movie before. Yeah, it's neat. You, <laughs> going to the drive-in really in nice. 1995. <laughs> I, I wanted to give you something. What is it? Well, it's a I pin. I wrote a little something for you. It's a poem. A poem? But it's a not poem? that great or anything. I'm not really a writer. You really wrote me a poem? How sweet. Well, anyway, <sighs> here it is. Thanks. No, hold it. Wait a minute. Let me see that. I need to check out the content. Dad! Can't have that. Banjo-Kazooie have, have just shown up. The rest is okay. It's a nice poem here. Uh, by the way, that last scene in the movie completely contradicted Deuteronomy 14.6. I think we should leave. Dad! Hey, is there enough room up there? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up there with you guys. Oh, let me get... Oh, uh, just wanted to say that Eric here is played by Joe Daman, who is the uh, the kid from McGee and Me. He's the me. Oh, Wow. The oh, other folks on the family entertainment, yeah. He, he and his family have a whole arc in this series that we haven't done any of the episodes on this is his very last episode okay uh on the show oh so max your your, your thoughts on uh this fantasy sequence this way that the family is being portrayed and perceived it's like probably the most interesting part of the episode and that it like kind of introduces a comic concept of like oh no like what if you were on a date and like her dad was there and mm-hmm. tried to climb into the front seat with yeah. you and read your poetry i guess <laughs> push his daughter out of the car put his arm around yeah. you what's <laughs> interesting about this is i think the perspective on dating in the mainstream evangelical community shifts after this point 
Because then we get mm. books like I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Right. It's like, oh yeah, don't yeah. ever do one-on-one dates. Otherwise, you might just stick it in her. Having a chaperoned date starts to become a more normal concept in this in this world. Whereas in 1995, this is just typically like, yeah, even the Christian teens will go to the the drive-in movie theater and see <laughs> fucking Gidget or whatever. I do I do have a I do have a question for you, Max. Were you were you a poetry guy? Uh, did you ever not, did you ever get any poetry to any of your crushes? I I think like I've always considered poetry sort of a high risk low reward endeavor. <laughs> like, if you write a good poem, it's not that impressive compared to how embarrassing it would be if the poem was really bad. Sure, <laughs> sure, uh huh, uh huh. Very, uh, very smart. Much smarter. Is there, yeah. Is there something you'd like to share with us, AJ? I have a feeling me. this is setting us up for something. Uh, yeah. No. That's all. That was my middle school move, man. I'd mm. write poetry, oh, and wow. that's that's how I that's how I got all my yeah, middle school girlfriends. Yeah. Now you just write full twenty minute musicals. Yes, I sure do. And I mean, it, but it's different because there's music now. Uh, sure. there, there is some. There is something that like music can save a, a. I think a bad poem. I think, but like if if it's just the poem naked and bare, you're right, Max. It is. Ooh, it is a high risk. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, but, I, I but don't AJ, know if that's even a you, currency that people do anymore. I don't yeah, know. Did you, kids still write? Here's poems the here's the important thing, AJ. Did you pull? Yeah. <laughs> did you pull? Yeah, th- those middle school poems, they, they got you some. They actually they got you some they, they were very su- they were very successful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what I had about to find these? a rhyme for dolphin because what, the, what about these days dolphins. though? Is 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 it um Yeah. Are poems still the, the currency of trade or how 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 are the how are the younger the uh, younger generation uh, getting along these days? You know, I don't think anybody's ever written me a poem. I don't think okay. I've ever exchanged a poem. Uh, I feel like what you do now is you just send somebody a lot of really long-winded text messages. Oh, and yeah. that's how you know they're invested in that. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. Invested in if, if they get the double text. Yeah, that's not uh, that different, I guess, from, you know, back in my day. I mean, it was on AOL Instant Messenger, right? Sure. It was yeah. the same thing. But, but you know, yeah, you had more people in LiveJournal and Zanga, so poetry yeah. certainly was a, a bigger part of the vernacular, I think. Sure. I've yeah. never also, written a poem in my I life. Your day, Josh, you're a Zoomer. <laughs> well, I know. I, I feel like the uh, the the other currency of trade was like the vague but specific enough, like live journal post or AOL instant messenger away message that was <laughs> discernible to the person that was the target of said message. Right, where it was like sure. anybody else may see this as overly vague, but I'm writing about somebody in particular, and that person will know because I put in a couple little little secret notes yes and that person is constantly checking your away message <laughs> just in case oh yeah uh, I, I do miss the concept of away messages it was nice to be like i instagram no kind of has them now yeah. oh is that true yeah i don't really know how they work but i see that there's a little like speech bubble you can put over your name instagram is so confusing to me <laughs> I don't know how to do anything. I, just, I, I need to go back to like stones, you know, petroglyphs, that kind of communication. Max, we just we just need you to tell us that we're cool. Can you, can you just can you just do that, please? Can you just this, tell this us is, that this we're is why cool? we're having you on, please. I, know, I need to know that please, I'm, still I'm trying to leech off of your youth as as thousand year old vampires from the millennial era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, on the scale of like. I, I've always like I think like on the internet like I've always had like a lot of friends who were substantially older than me just because of like niche interests and I've yeah. also lived in housing co-ops for the past four years mm. and this oh. reminds me of the fact that I used to have a 35 year old housemate named Jason 
who would like watch old episodes of The Critic with me and try to defend Jordan Peterson. So you guys no. are definitely beating that guy. Oh, and God. At the time, Jordan Peterson was still in that benzo coma, so it was yeah. a really easy <laughs> argument to win. Well, now that we've cleared that... Uh, yeah, no, that we're cool, a, we're good, and I'm going to force right bar. back into the yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, yes, we, we now have... Donna, who has effectively been otherized, right? She mm-hmm. she is no longer uh, in the good graces of the olds, uh, nor is she seen as a peer by her fellow youth. And mm-hmm. we get even more senior dinner bullshit. Yeah. But yeah. Jimmy actually really enjoys it for some reason. Yeah, Jimmy has adjusted very well. He's yeah. kind of a, He's an on board. oddball. This is how they've made him as a teenager. He's not just your every child. He's this sort of weird kid. And here, here we get a little clip of this. Donna, you have to come over here. Mr. Williams is doing a puppet show using a zucchini, a rolled up paper plate, and his dentures. Very dirty. It's hilarious. No thanks. Oh, Jimmy! Jimmy, hurry! You're missing it! We're trying to find all 50 states in Mr. Baker's liver spots. Well, gotta go. Oh, brother. Oh, look! I believe it's Florida! They're looking at his dick, right? <laughs> it has yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. You know, I don't I don't hate that joke. The first joke is not good. The the setup of doing a puppet show with a zucchini and a plate or whatever. That's, that's not, not funny. anything. No, yeah, no. Why do they have a whole zucchini? <laughs> the senior <laughs> like, citizens dinner. <laughs> yeah, the senior citizens dinner. Like you're gonna you're gonna serve a guy who wears dentures just like a complete like unsliced right. zucchini. Yeah, yeah I know. Is that, it raw? That that no, was that's that it. was that's the only thing they serve there. So it's that, just a yeah. giant pile of zucchini. Yeah. In the nineties, that was boy dinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like how weird Jimmy is. I wish they would just push him a little weirder. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. They don't know they quite. Lean into I don't it. think yeah. characterization is usually Odyssey's strong suit. There are yeah. a lot of characters. <laughs> That are kind of like indistinct and are just like whatever they need to be for the given plot. Yeah. I noticed that with like both appearances of Sam in the series. <laughs> oh, in the later like, episodes, yeah. He doesn't really seem to be the same character across both yeah. episodes. Right. And that's a problem that pops up a lot. You would think that Marshall Younger, as the guy who like wrote the lore bible, would have a better right. handle on this stuff. But right. like when a character has any like individuality or quirk whatsoever, like I tend to latch onto it in these episodes because it's just like Donna is like such a flat character. We have no sense of like what she's interested in or like what she likes to do or like really like anything that she has going on with her outside of like her relationship to her family or like her peers who are also like very generically written teenagers and it's sort of like i am just begging for like any level of like character detail i want jimmy to run off and be like oh i'll find minnesota like just get like really super into it at least or like he like progressively becomes an old man over the course of the episode that would be be kind of funny yeah Yeah, he starts wearing his pants higher and like uh gets really into (laughs) whitland just yeah. he, he just carries a deck of playing cards in his back pocket wherever he <laughs> yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, starts talking about Matlock reruns. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that could be huge. Instead, what we get is right back to Donna again. Yeah. And Yay. we'll recall that there's this whole situation with like a hayride. Sure is. But then yeah. she meets up with these teens and it's like, oh, we're not going to go to the hayride. We're going to go to the Donovan house. Yeah. And so, so, so Donna the Donovan told the- house. Donna is told that she cannot go to the hayride because it right. turns out George has already booked her for a very informal like 
living room Bible study that he does on Fridays that it seemed that Jimmy's going to be there for anyway. It's so fucking right. bizarre. It's like, so yeah. bizarre. Like, it's you not important. Just, you, if you needed her to be there, you could just like get her in next Friday. This yeah. is a weekly Bible study. It's not a big deal. Yep. Come on. So it's it's really important, Josh. Like, <laughs> like you know, it's the golden hour. You got all these union contracts. You can't just. <laughs> so Donna instead is like, no, fuck it. I'm ditching Bible study. I'm going to go through our very walkable town of Odyssey over right. to the hayride. But then the kids, as they're all walking there, take a turn on the, in the other direction. I don't get it. I thought the hayride was at Gower's farm the other way. It is. Mr. Gower. Skip it. What? Then where are we going? Right there. What's that? You don't know what that is, Donna? No. That's the Donovan house. Uh. We're not supposed to go there. Uh, the girl, by the way, the, the friend there is Marsha, who previously appeared in the Paul Revere's Midnight Ride and oh. Timmy's Cabin, and now she's like a bad kid, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Again, okay. talking about characterization. Look, like, deep yeah, yeah, here's that kid. Mike in Odyssey. Yeah. You know, a lot, of, yeah. a lot of development, a lot of interesting character growth. I, I, I just, we know you're not supposed to go to the Donovan house. I think you've said it conservatively 18 times. <laughs> Up until this moment, we don't we don't need reminding. It's just it can be it can be so exhausting because there there is there is the seed of an interesting idea here because sure. I, and not and not to jump ahead too too much, but like the thing that happens at the Donovan house is also out of Donna's control. Donna doesn't yeah. the only choice do anything. Yeah, right. the only choice Donna really makes is that she wants to go to a hayride, which would have been fine, but then the plot gets hijacked away from her and she's just like a victim of fucking circumstance. Yeah. And how much more interesting would it be to have her actually rebel against her dad, mm, you know, yeah. like to actually yeah. have her Take do some something agency. damaging. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so it was, as we go into the house, we learn some facts about the Donovans. Ooh. We have to go tonight. This is the 30th anniversary of the disappearance. What disappearance? 30 years ago today, Ooh. the Donovan family <laughs> mysteriously disappeared. Never heard from again. And every year since then, on this date, People have noticed strange lights in an upstairs window, flickering. Mmm. Mmm. So, Max, you were on the edge mm. of your seat at this point, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I know they went through the no-no door, but yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> um, something really weird about this is that, like, they set up the whole Eric plot, and then it just gets completely dropped from here on out. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. he went on a date with somebody else. It's done. Yeah, and Donna. that's the last we see of Allison yeah. Davis. Yeah. Why Allison did I write Davis. that down? I don't know. <laughs> Allison Davis, you sound sad. Uh, and he's you know. never on the show again. His whole family is never on the show <laughs> again. Wait, That's so it. all of them go through the no-no door? Just like that? Just it's like amazing. That's what happens actually... when you don't lay pipe and Donna. You go away. <laughs> There's actually a no-no pit near the hayride. It's, it just oh saves God. time. It's just, okay, everyone, we're not going to see you again. Get on the cart. <laughs> we're, we're throwing you in the pit. So, so the house catches fire. Because of just a Mr. Magoo series of mishaps, because yeah. the kid who brought them all to the Donovan house is like, it's OK. I brought a lantern here earlier. I already like <laughs> left my supply of lantern and he lights this lantern, which is a lantern of fire. Not a, not a 
a flashlight. He could have had a flashlight. They could have had two flashlights. Or like an no. electric lantern. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like this guy went either a day earlier or like in the afternoon. He's like, here's my lantern. I'm going to fill it up with all of my favorite kerosene from Walmart. I'm going to stick it right here behind a chair on the porch. Like he's playing his own little game of gone home just for oh himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I've left a bunch of keys everywhere. There's a little Christmas duck <laughs> you can take yeah. to the upper levels of the Donovan house. That's what the flickering so is. There's a bunch of lights. tapes that he's recorded himself, but it's in tape. character as his gay younger sister. It's going to be a very immersive night of, of entertainment mm. and fun and, mm-hmm. and even some poignancy. But then, of course, okay. uh, he gets startled by a cat and drops the lantern and the entire house burns down in about 30 seconds. Burn home. Why would he be carrying around like an old timey like oil <laughs> lamp? Where do you even get that as a teenager? Yeah, he got that from the uh, the underground railroad tunnel under Wit's End next oh, to the no-no right, door. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I forget the underground railroad tunnel under Wit's End? <laughs> How could you forget? Come on. Yeah. The I show guess like, seems to have. It's mildly interesting to like see another piece of the, the town geography, but like they don't do anything in the house. No. They don't really like poke around in there. It seems like the local teens uh, show up there and just sort of stand around. Right. I guess because like if you implied that they were doing anything even remotely illicit in there, that would be... Uh, outside the bounds of the radio show. Like you can't imply the teens are like drinking or like hooking up or like blasting cigs. I actually think that's that's a really good point. Uh, And I wanted to just uh, unpack that a little bit more that these episodes all sort of pertain to some sort of like, um, child i don't know deviancy or whatever mm-hmm. right yeah, where it's like yeah like i understand there can't be any like imitable behavior but right. like it's, it sort of goes back to thinking of like donna has no agency in this plot like they don't even burn the house down on purpose no like if i if i had to script doctor this a little bit maybe it's donna's idea to go to the house in the first place instead of her just being involuntarily dragged there maybe she's like oh i don't want to see eric on his date with allison let's go mm-hmm. to the donovan mm-hmm. house that i've heard so much about where my dad specifically told me not to go like that would make a lot more sense as a plot point and then the other kids like peer pressure her into like doing something dangerous in there yeah. that then causes the yeah. house to burn yeah. down instead of it being like she gets dragged there and the house gets burned down an accident by someone else and she doesn't do anything also the kids yeah. don't run away no. they stay at the house when it burns so that the police can come pick them up and bring them home <laughs> Yeah, like you've set fire to the evidence. Like, why would you hang around at the scene it's of the, the crime? middle of the, the night? Just leave. There was already a leave. cop car in Gower's Field for an unrelated incident. <laughs> ah. Yeah, and burying it, a body. We 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 get this too Blood with like once on Donna gets escorted back home, right? Where mm-hmm. George just kind of chews her out. But yeah. like again, we don't have any sense of what's going to come right. of this other than she's broadly apologetic, I guess. Right. So George yeah. is doing his Bible study and I wanted to just grab this little clip of, you know, the policeman has brought her there and he's like, there are no charges being pressed because, well, we can't draw more attention to the Donovan case because the police are heavily involved. That's why that one cop is out in Gower's field digging a ditch. Um, so George <laughs> in front of his whole Bible study has to tell Donna to go to her room. And I just, just listen for a second. You're okay? Yeah. We're going to talk about this later. I know. Going up to your room. Okay. And I want you to think in your head, you know, what does this remind me of that George and Donna have done before? Right? There was another episode where Donna got in a lot of trouble. And George... Oh, for dressing like a slot, right? Yes. Yeah. But in that one, you can hear George's absolute incandescent rage hidden behind his whispers. Donna, is that a new outfit? Yeah, Dad. 
please cover yourself up and come home with me? Uh, George, before you... It's all right, Wit. It's only a domestic incident. Let's go, Donna. Now. Coming, Dad. Whereas here, it's very soft. Here, it's like mild... It's He's concerned for her, and he's like, well, I have to handle this later, but I'm in public. But he was in public before. But it's... Right. What Donna has done here, even though it's this huge trespass, literally, she has trespassed against her mm. father and against mm-hmm. the Donovans who are mm-hmm. missing, presumed dead. <laughs> uh, this is nothing like showing some some boob, some top boob or under boob or side boob or whatever. I mean, but what kid hasn't performed light arson? No. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of shocked by like, it's weird because the whole episode is like building up towards this confrontation yeah. with her father. And then it's so mild when it happens. Yeah. And like, I get that they don't want it to be like maybe too upsetting for young listeners. But it's also like, you know, he's he's doing this Bible study about parenting where he talks about like, you know, you have to you have to like have control of your children. I forget mm-hmm. his exact wording, but it's definitely like gesturing. He says at some point, like training a child, like yeah. it feels like it's very, ge- it's gesturing at the, the, the child abuse industrial complex that in fact, mm. like focus on the family is built on. Yeah. And then weirdly he has this very like soft, like muted con, uh, like confrontation with Donna. And it's very strange because like, I don't think that that's what would happen in real life. Like even no. my, my parents right. who were not, you know, like, they were they were not like this kind of like evangelical like they still they would have really fucking I would not have heard like the end of it for like hours and hours. Oh, probably. yeah. If I, yeah like, if I burned, burned down, down a house, house as a teenager, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I would I would simply send all the old people home. You yeah. know, yeah. like wait, why would you continue to have the Bible study under these circumstances? That doesn't make any sense at all. No. Well, no. how else is Jimmy going to meet women? So <laughs> there's <laughs> there's uh, there's also a bit that I thought was very, very, very weird. Right before the cop leaves, the cop who we have never met before. No, I'm no, pretty he's sure. not a recurring character. Turns to Donna and says, Donna, I'm very disappointed in you. And it's this horribly <laughs> flat delivery. But I was like, who the fuck are you? Who cares if you're disappointed in me? Get the fuck out of here. And, and it's just it's like it's just because he is a cop. Right. But it is but he yeah. kind of sounds like Doyle. Like, I, I didn't know if we had met him before. And no, now, it's, it's not that, someone this we is, met. This is just that reflexive, you know, focus on the family, defer to authority thing. And, yeah. and, and he would know her in part because now she is so public, right? Because right. George is a town authority figure. Sure. And sure, we sure. get a little bit more of this, too, in terms of like authority and struggling with authority, because... <laughs> Then the weirdest thing is, and I know you didn't grab <laughs> no, I didn't of this, clip Brian, any of it, but it's just it was so just, strange. Yeah, like the church calls an emergency meeting of, I guess, the elders and deacons, and maybe also some parishioners. And George has to go and d- defend himself in front of the congregation for why his daughter did these things. But then after he gives a big old speech about how, like, <laughs> oh, she wasn't, uh, I didn't. <laughs> it's not my fault, actually, that she did this, but it kind of is. Then Mrs. Erskine, the horrible biddy from earlier, is like, well, actually, we just wanted to let you know that we love you and we want it to be nice. Yeah, the, the whole this yeah. emergency meeting was to say, hey, you doing OK? Uh, <laughs> and also like that, that type of woman, the Mrs. Erskine type lady. That never happens. She does not no. have repentance no. in her heart. She no. never stops no. being no. a busybody. She never stops feeling that like moral superiority, even over the pastor of the church she goes to. I mean, it is really like once again, it's like they're setting up this entire conflict that's like building the whole episode, and then it just completely fizzles out like nothing. Right. Yeah. It's like that's not good storytelling. It's like, like there was yeah. a note where they were like, "Yes, this is a very real type of person in the church, but we can't go 
and make right. fun of our most pious, you know, our strongest right, prayer they warriors. they are funding us. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's these yeah. biddies that we've built this entertainment empire on. What's so weird about Mrs. Erskine appearing is that she, there's no like indication that she is in the room in the scene. Mm. Until nope. he's just like, who said that? And then, like, emerging from the shadows, Erskine comes <laughs> forward and says, me it was me! <laughs> that is literally the note I took, Josh. Is, it was me, George. Me all along. <laughs> she's, wearing a, she's wearing a cape. She's wearing arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's... But yeah, I mean, this this is where it ends. That's, it's that's just like, the, yes, it's an Erskine ex machina kind of thing. George is also like, hey, you know, you shouldn't have done that, Donna. But also I was being a bit of a head case, I guess. Yeah, he, he, comes to, he comes to an understanding with her just like he did with the music thing or just like Dale did with the music thing. It's just like, oh, sometimes there is kind of an interesting point, but then it gets buried under the whole Mrs. Erskine apologizing plot. Yeah, yeah, no, there is. What I wrote was like, oh, there is some nuance here because yeah. George admits that he's wrong, but it's all nuance in service of lessening the conflict. Therefore, right. the interest uh, or drama that that is supposed to be there. They, they've lower. They are always like pulling back the stakes. So, so then here's a question again for you, Max. Is uh, as far as conflict goes, or wanting conflict and meaningful resolution, what you would you have preferred to see here? Would you have preferred to see, uh, you know, George, uh, like? Hitting Mrs. Erskine over the head with a, a folding chair, maybe, or what, what would that have looked yeah, like? Yeah, some kind of cage match situation. <laughs> I mean, I guess like maybe just have Mrs. Erskine actually be upset with him, so that when yeah. he gives yeah. this speech, he's actually defending himself, as opposed to not like, as opposed to like talking into thin air for a little bit and then having everybody be like, oh, no, 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 it's okay, actually. Uh, nobody actually cares. There was no problem here the entire time. Yeah. And it's like have George actually stand up to his his congregation. Yeah. yeah. Have him assert yeah. his status and Which say, you, have to you do know sometimes. what? Yeah. You know yeah. what? This is something that's going to happen. She's a teenager and I haven't let her have a social life. And so he learns a lesson. But you just can't. Yeah. You can't. Right. Do that. You have to find some way to undermine and because square the church it. must always be forgiving it must yeah. always mm-hmm. welcome me back in and these are just good people who are just looking out for their neighbors and if their neighbor's suffering they will always come to their help always <laughs> so anyway we, <laughs> yeah, yeah our next episode is thank basically god that one's over yeah, yeah. thank yeah. god and we'll probably go through this next one a little bit quicker this is yeah, the good the bad and imagine. the butch episode 301 written once again by marshall younger yep yeah uh, this aired a week following the previous episode, so February 11 of 1995, and... Oh, right before um, Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's about a kind yeah. of Valentine, if you think about and it. And this one starts with some very boring fucking... Oh, my God, I hated this shit. Like, Sam is our our guy. Let's talk about Sam for a moment, shall we? The character wait, 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 of Sam. Wait, just, just, just one minute, one minute. Uh, mm. The good? The bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the butch? Yeah. What is this? Oh. The butch? A leather bar? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so let's talk you about the character of, of Sam. <laughs> Sam is sort of our stand-in every boy. Um, how did we feel about Sam? Did we identify with him? Did we feel strongly about his character? Uh, like a two by four with googly eyes. What do you want? <laughs> what? There's nothing here. No, he he is such a weenie. He's he's a little too yeah. much like me. Like if if he were mm. written in another Uh-oh. venue to be like a character this nerdy, he would have a bunch of adventures and Odyssey tapes that he listened to all the time. <laughs> like this yeah. kid yeah. fucking sucks. But maybe one day 
he'll suck dick and have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a hat. I wear that as yeah. a hat. I, I did have a little fun, like, reading, like, a vague homoeroticism into this episode in terms of the yes. friendship yes. between Sam and Butch. Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. a little bit fruity going on there, I think. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I think well, I think there's a lot of interest, and we'll, we'll get that in some of these clips that I have. But, yeah, so Butch... Butch and Sam. Butch's name is Brian, by the way, or was yeah. Brian. Yeah, and, sure and was. It, it depends on on who is going to acknowledge his current name or who's going to dead name him throughout yeah. the episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody keeps dead naming him. Problematic. Yeah. Canceled. The, the Absolutely. Whole, the whole thing starts with Sam. Honestly? The whole thing starts with Sam at the at the clothes store with his mom, and then she's like, "Hey, look, that's Brian's mom." You used to hang out with Brian. He's like, no. And then they, they do the thing where two moms hang out, which is, again, it's a very real phenomenon this that you might be familiar real. with yeah. if yeah. you're a nine-year-old kid. Yeah. And it, yeah. But it sucks. It's just bad. It's just like there's a reason we don't dramatize this usually, or someone might yeah. dramatize it better somewhere else. But well, this the is note, just The note that dull. I had here is that it felt very like down Gilead Lane. You know, this is yeah. realistic in parentheses derogatory. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, like, it's just like it's about Sam and Butch. Put them together at school. We don't need this whole clothes shopping intro sequence. It's like this is as boring to listen to as it would be to experience. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, Max, is in your experience, is this how the panoptimum worked? Honestly, it was it was definitely an element. Like you could definitely like run into the other homeschooling parent, like mm-hmm. at the store or like doing a I don't know. They were always like doing some kind of activity, like, oh, I have to like go get these herbs from the garden and like drop them <laughs> off at Mary's house. And then you have to stand there. Well, I like stand in her doorway for yeah. like a whole hour oh, yeah. talking to her about plants. It does sound like you grew up in Hobbiton. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, so in homeschooling, there is sort of the phenomenon of the homeschooling co-op where like they some homeschoolers would like sort of band together to like rent out like a church basement or mm-hmm. some other cheap space where like parents would like teach classes or attempt to teach classes, which is, mm. you know, you would learn biology from like somebody's mom. Who may mm. or may not have been qualified. <laughs> sure. Uh, sometimes there were outside teachers hired, like this white guy who taught the Japanese class. I always got a weird vibe off that guy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like rightfully so. Yeah, he had like a really long <laughs> ponytail, and a bunch of the like teenage girls had weirdly charged, like friendly, like a weirdly charged, like personal relationship to him that I never mm. fully understood. But what I will say is, I think like definitely like there was the thing of like. Your your mom like trying to get you to be friends with somebody else's kid because like it's like oh well like they teach the classes or like they're in like important to like the homeschooling social scene mm-hmm. so like you have to be nice to their kid right. and also like there wasn't really a lot of bullying that took place in homeschooling communities mm. and a lot of like what would happen was like you would you would try to invite people over or get them to hang out with you and they would like you just couldn't get anybody to show up like there were times as a teenager. Oh where I was just, like, alone in the house during all of my free time. I used to play board games against myself because I was like... Oh, that's real. Oh, I feel that. Just that kind of, like, quiet exclusion (laughs) was really what, like, fueled the social dynamics. Hmm. Um, Not that that's particularly relevant to this episode, but I just thought it was interesting. Like, actually, the emotional crux of this episode that I do think kind of works is, like, there is something very sad as a kid where you have this very close friendship with somebody and they kind of, like, they change, like, they lose interest in you and they kind of, like, ebb away out of your life. Yeah. Like, that was something that happened to me a lot as a kid, especially because we didn't have the social structure of school, like, pushing us together in the same way. Sure, yeah. Like, it was easy for people to sort of just stop showing up. And, like, on that front, I can kind of relate to Sam, and I can kind of, like, you know, I can kind of see, like, why this, you know, seeing seeing Butch or Brian again is like, oh, this is kind of a bummer for him. Like, he's being reminded of, like, 
Like that's I, I think like some of the early like one of the earliest like bad things that happens to you as a kid, like barring other trauma, yeah, yeah. is when you have mm. this really like close friendship with somebody and then they're just gone forever. Yeah, that. and I think mm. that's a a more interesting story than what we get, which is that Butch, so much yeah. more Butch becomes a bad kid. Right. Yeah, you know, he became he, a bad kid. He stops, He's a he stops hanging out with Sam. He stops going to church. He stops watching baseball. He becomes less interested in sports, I guess. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, I wasn't really sure what that was either. Oh, well, that's just that's just, you know, uh, morals. Right. Is the moment that you stop following Major League Baseball. That's the moment that you've lost your morals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or you start following the Yankees. Well, yeah, that's e- that's even well, worse. Well, here's the yeah. thing is Butch is just so busy with bully stuff because we find out right. that they keep a very detailed schedule. They do. Uh, the yeah. Bones of Wrath. Yeah, it's a full-time job being a yeah. bully in yeah. Odyssey. Yeah, it feels like they're in Model UN Club or something. <laughs> like they have weekly meetings to go to and like scheduled events. I mean... It's a very weird way to operate as a juvenile delinquent. Having gone to Model UN, those kids were so mean. Oh, yeah. They were so mean. Oh, my God. (laughs) Everybody in my Model UN club had an elected position, like a token elected position, except for me. I was the one person that nobody voted for. Oh, no. And like to to be socially excluded in Model UN club is like one of the most humiliating things that could happen because you're surrounded by nerds and they're all just like, I don't know, though, this kid like we can't be we can't be seen with you. Like, yeah, there there oh was a boy. schism that formed in my Model UN group that was basically across gender lines, but thankfully I got to uh, exist between gender in my senior yeah. year of high school. So the the boys decided to do things where they'd be like, "Oh yeah, we have to send a couple delegates to this thing. We'll just send the girls, and then we're gonna go and and get breakfast at the cafe next to the the state capitol building." And then the girls did the same thing to the boys, and so I got mm. breakfast twice. That nice. day. Yeah. That's what you call Hell playing yeah. the angles, and that's what diplomacy is all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta play both sides. <laughs> I'm increasingly realizing that this episode is gonna be a lot more entertaining if we just talk about our own experiences. Yeah, I have a really bunch of clips this from this episode, episode but it's really unpleasant. Butch makes a bunch of <laughs> jokes that aren't jokes, and Sam doesn't get them, and then he says never mind, which just feels like it's Marshall Younger editing himself yes. in real yes. time and then not going yeah, back yeah. and deleting it. You gotta it. commit to your bad jokes. At yeah. least for all all of his faults, Lawler really goes hard on his terrible, terrible jokes. Yes. But can, can we can we please listen to the clip where Rodney Rathbone is talking to the Bones of Wrath, his gang, about going to Pound Town? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, here we go. Let's find out who it was and just pound him. We gotta do more than pound him. <laughs> you mean you wanna do something in addition to pounding him? Exactly. Mm. Oh, okay. Just as long as pounding is included. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately after that, they say, nail one, get one free. I was about to I was kind of chuckling at the pounding thing, and then I was like, okay, fine, they're old-timey bullies, whatever, I have to let this slide. Sure. And then they immediately say, nail, and I was like, are you kidding me with this? He has to know what he's doing. They just do. Do you know what you do in addition to pounding, though? They actually say it in another episode. Here we go. Mm. Probing, prodding, scratching, and crawling around... (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's the full that's the yeah, full evenings yeah. or, or that's the range. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you say you say they must have known, but this reminds me of something that I read, and I think it was something put out by Focus on the Family, where this guy was lamenting that making love is now used as a euphemism for having sex. <laughs> because sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. A what? As opposed to what? I. This guy. What was the original meeting? I don't know. Making love used to just mean sort of like hitting on. 
or like sparking. You know I don't that term, think that's sparking. Yeah, no, it's true. true though. It is true. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. No, is that Brian, true? Brian was, was also a teenager being... in the 1910s. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> no, that's the whole thing. Is like yeah, or or like a euphemism for dancing, as featured, of course, in the Bob Martin music musical, The Drowsy Chaperone. Uh, uh, but oh, then, sure. of course, it's a euphemism. So then it just becomes more and more like you're you're hinting at pounding. Or, okay. or as Edwin Blackard would right, say, right. probing, prodding, scratching, yeah. and crawling around. In other words, <laughs> making love. <laughs> and the reason that Rodney and his gang are endeavoring to go to Pound Town is that other people have been doing pranks mm-hmm. at the school, which is just, the, that's the Bones of Wrath turf. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. somebody hung up a poster of the principal from the flagpole, which is a big prank. Yeah. And and that's that should be the exclusive domain. These of the guys of are fucking, they've got the grind set. They are sitting around all day <laughs> planning japes. This is like Ocean's Eleven level of japes. They have to have like, uh, they have it to the point where they know the schedules of the kids' parents <laughs> yeah. so they won't yeah. get caught. Which, which is right. require that's, like surveillance and like tailing them. But they don't, they make it Happen in an unfunny way, right? Like it's so underplayed the fact that Rodney just knows what everybody's dad does throughout the week. Like that's such a good gag. He's gathering intel on every family, but it it just it falls flat here. And we find out that like Butch is now put on assignment, basically, (laughs) to hang out with Sam so he can get tickets to a banquet. That's right, because the master plan here. Is that they are going to, and I want to make sure that I get this right. <laughs> okay, because I've got my oh, yeah. notes too if you get it wrong. Uh, I think yeah. what's going to happen is that Rodney Rathbone is going to ascend to the f- ceiling of the gymnasium where they're doing this banquet thing. And he is going to take his lighter yeah. and he is going to sort of light up by one of those sprinklers, mm-hmm. thus bursting the thing and causing all the sprink- sprinklers to go off. Yeah. But he can't get in unless he has a ticket to the bank. Yeah, there's only one door inside and it's it's only open for the, the nerds and their parents going to, to this which academic I say thing. He simply ought to play an immersive sim such as Thief <laughs> or Thief 2 <laughs> in which he would realize that there are other ways to infiltrate a building than going through the front door. But you see Thief and Thief 2 are too dark and he'd use up all of the butane in his lighter before he got to the sprinkler system. I would also argue that this is actually dramaturgically sound because Uh again, Marshall being the lore guy because what happened the last time Rodney went on a roof? He fell. He fell Mm. down. Mm. He fell through the skylight, right? So he he can't get up that way. He just can't. So you know what? (laughs) Oh God, I hate to say this, but I... Are you going to hand it to him? To hand it (laughs) to Marshall Young. Oh, God, that was awful. Marshall Marshall Young? Young, Yeah. Marshall Young? He's the prequel to Younger. (laughs) He's he's Marshall. Uh, Please. Marshall Young was my father. Call me Marshall Marshall Young. (laughs) No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay because he had a kid named Mighty Joe. And yeah. it was a, uh, it was it, there were some japes in that film as there well. Sure if are I can jungle japes even. So some, some, some uh-huh. so Lucy confronts Sam about the fact that he's hanging out with Butch again. Lucy right. Cunningham Schultz hey, making Sam. a return. Hi, Lucy. Can I ask you something? Sure. The other day I saw you at Finneman's with Brian Evans. Butch. Whatever. What's going on? I mean, what were you Not doing whatever. with him? Playing video games. I know, but with Brian. So. Well, he's, you know. <laughs> Gay. You know. Yeah. 
You, He's, you, you can, know, I got a picture of her doing like a little limp wrist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can hear the whoosh against the microphone. Lucy's just uh, like, yeah. by the way, your friend Brian. No, it's Butch. Okay, Brian. Um, okay. I just need to tell you something about him. He prefers the company of men. <laughs> we have a Simpson soundboard. Oh, good shit. Yes! But this this would be uh, Max. You had mentioned earlier just the extreme homoerotic overtones of these scenes between Sam yeah. and Butch, and, it, and it, this would be, I think, a good point to expand on that a little bit. They do have this kind of like there, there's just this sense of like oh their friendship is like forbidden and a secret and like oh, I guess wow. the context of that is like oh they're from two different worlds Sam is a good kid and Butch is a bully <laughs> but like well, it does Romeo kind of feel Juliet like it's standing situation. in for something else yeah uh, especially with all this talk of like pounding and nailing well, especially because this episode's moral at the end is yeah you shouldn't yeah. hang out with them yeah it, it is really funny I was not expecting the moral to be like you should judge a book by its cover <laughs> yeah. your initial impressions of people are always correct <laughs> yeah and you know here's the thing though like if I were to play script doctor for a moment I would hmm. say that like Lucy's getting into some dangerous territory right because Butch is a little bit uh, unstable right he's sort of the bad kid from the other side of the cla- uh, track so what I'm very much looking forward to uh, is Butch convincing Sam to kill Lucy Cunningham Schultz and help him dismember <laughs> yeah. the body which will then yeah. of course get Butch thrown into jail for like 40 to life and maybe one yeah, day yeah, Sam yeah. will finish his psychiatric treatment I don't know maybe move into his grandmother's <laughs> house and through like some sort of series of heart-wrenching struggle to move uh-huh. on from this vortex of agony that enveloped his youth he can try to figure out what happens next I don't know something I like s- that uh, is that I something s- like that is that I, I see I see what you did there I feel AJ. like that's something mm-hmm. I feel like that yeah. make, like uh, ugh, God I you know what you know what would do it make a really good zine i think i'm gonna <laughs> yeah 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 everybody could uh everybody could join a mailing list yeah. <laughs> um and I'm, I'm sorry max to have done that to you uh because i yeah. know what it's like to have uh, my writing compared to adventures in odyssey uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I so do... welcome to my nightmare yeah i do use a snippet of adventures in odyssey yeah. in the comic itself yes. yeah yeah yes the, it was it was from it was eugene going to hell yeah. wasn't yeah. it yeah it was the eugene goes those are the only two odyssey episodes that i've actually listened to in full both parts of mortal coil outside of like normally i i prefer to experience odyssey through the uh through the sort of processing mechanism of worst of all possible yeah where you don't have to hear all 24 I, minutes yeah. of each episode yeah <laughs> It's fucking interminable. It's awful, isn't it? <laughs> really boring. I think it's good. But the, the Eugene Goes to Hell thing was kind of, like, fascinating yeah. to me because, I don't know, like, everybody talks about, like, oh, this, like, dark episode of a children's show traumatized me as a child. And, like, Mortal Mortal Coil actually has the potential to, like, legitimately traumatize a child. Yeah. Right. Like, what I thought was so fascinating about it was, like, this dogma of, like, even people that you like, even people that are nice people, your friends, your neighbors, etc., if they don't accept Jesus Christ, they, too, will go to hell. And it was, like, interesting to think, like, what would that be like, like, growing up with that in your head, like, governing every interaction you have with another person? Like, that is the subtext of, like, interacting with any non-Christian. Oh, this person is going to go to hell. Uh, Sam gets invited over to hang out with the Bones of Wrath because Butch is like, yeah, I do like this kid. Let's hang out with, you know, our, our whole friend group here. Because Sam, with all of the lads, Sam doesn't have any boys. other friends aside from yeah. Lucy, I guess. The, the the bones of wrath are they're much like the YMCA insofar as you can hang yeah. out with all the boys there. Young man, <laughs> you know, and much like the YMCA, he prefers the company of men. Um, so <laughs> they, they, the bones oh. of wrath do this thing to Sam where it's like when you're hanging out with the drug dealer and proving you're not a cop by snorting the supply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, where yeah, they, yeah. They're like, come on, man, tell a joke. And because Sam is a good Christian boy, 
Uh, like so many on the right, he only has one. You right. got here just in time. We were telling jokes. You got me? Jokes? Sure. Tell a joke. Just one. Well, I only know one. Is it funny? Yeah. Well, go ahead. <laughs> All right. What did the mother bullet say to the daddy bullet? What? We're going to have a BB. Are you done? Well, yeah. So then they're like, no, no, no. That's, BB, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's daddy. That's, not, Why, wait, that's so, not what a joke is. Did you ever hear the one about no. the traveling salesman and the farmer's daughter? Sam is like actively trying to make this relationship work. Mm -hmm. But I don't understand why Sam likes Butch at all. No. Really? Like, I don't understand why mm. this why this is something that he wants. I know that Butch needs to get those tickets, but what right. what does Sam get out of this? Yeah. I think that like sublimated gay attraction is really the only possible reading. Yeah. Here. Right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, like they both at one point liked baseball. There's a mention of a 500 foot home run. Yeah, uh, at which, Wrigley. That's that that's wild. <laughs> just just to point that In out, 95. a 500 foot home run that basically doesn't happen. Uh, maybe mm. like once a year if you're lucky. This past year, the number one uh, the, the the furthest hit home run was Shohei Otani. He hit for 495 feet. Oof. Uh, 500 just doesn't really happen. Well, actually, the, the AIO wiki takes like takes its own special interest into that as well, because they, they oh, really? point out. Yeah, exactly. Like how many 500 foot home runs have happened in Wrigley and they've all happened after this episode aired. But there are two that wow. could have been classified as 500 foot home runs. Ooh. But, you know, there's always controversy about the measurements on those sorts of sure. things. So you're not the only one who has brought this up, Josh, just to make you oh, know. Okay. Yeah, thank you. you really are not alone. interesting detour. Yeah. <laughs> just like absolutely scintillating. Really has a lot. Can't believe I'm getting roasted on my own show. <laughs> oh well. So anyway, we we get to the dirty jokes now. We we get we get the real grilling happening. Ro you know, Rodney's holding a knife to poor Sam's throat to get him to tell yeah. a single dirty joke. That's you right. Know, you, just you just say something about rubber buns. D d mention Johnny <laughs> Humperharder. I swear to God. When we're talking about jokes, we don't mean little kid cutesy jokes. We're talking about something that'll make Rusty here blush. You want me to mm. tell a dirty joke? Yes. But I don't know any. Come on, everybody knows some dirty jokes. No, really, I don't. Besides, it's wrong to tell dirty jokes. Oh, come on. And this is like Donna being in the vicinity of a house as it burns down. Yeah. Where it's like telling yeah. a dirty joke is one of the worst things you can do. This is true moral degeneracy. This is something every youth pastor falls back on. Is like, so you know, you know how sometimes you're with your friends and then you start telling jokes. And then you start telling dirty jokes. You know the kind. Johnny Deeper, a.k.a. Humper Harder. Rubber buns and liquor. Or maybe rubber buns and, and ketchup. Who knows? Who knows? Ketchup and liquor? Ketchup and rubber buns? <laughs> liquor and more liquor? Are you having a stroke? What? Of course what I am. am. Yeah. Of course I am. This guy's jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a stroke really, in the other sense. Well, well, no, that, but actually, <laughs> yeah. I did want to, yeah. to point that up, right? That I do think that some of the concern about dirty jokes ultimately does come down to an expression of sexuality, which mm -hmm. once again does tie into the homoeroticism piece here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. I really want them to cut away. Like, it's just like, okay, I got one for you. And it goes, na, da, 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 da. And we cut back and we mm. just hear Sam say, the aristocrats. <laughs> I, I made and, the exact same note. God yeah. damn you, AJ. Yeah. I was like, then, Rod, Rodney, Rodney's like, so this family shows up in a talent agency. <laughs> I would just, I would just love Rodney Rathbone to be like, Oh, I, I didn't mean that dirty. 
uh, <laughs> I have to go home. <laughs> you just hear Butch like crying, sobbing in the fetal position. This yeah. is something that I also remember from my own childhood, yeah. right? Was oh yeah, I have a very specific memory. Actually, this 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 as often happens with these fucking wits endless summer episodes. <laughs> this this, why I do this, it. this reminded me of something. Which was that I was like doing a Bible study one time and uh, the Lord put uh, a spirit on my heart of um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, repentance uh, because there was this video. There's like a flash animation uh, that was just the mildest thing. But mm-hmm. it was like there was a joke about a vagina in there. And I remember just being so overwhelmed with the weight of guilt that I had laughed at this web animation with a joke about a vagina in it. And so uh, there was like the, uh, the ways to apply the learning from this Bible lesson or whatever. And I distinctly remember writing out like one of the things that I'm going to do is not watch that video anymore. Um, and today I'm deleting my new grounds again, again. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, oh, I should watch again. Uh, it was not titillating, nor was it funny. So there you go. Um, you got to name it, Josh. It was a Weeble and Bob animation. It was the first one that they did about Christmas. I know. Oh. Yeah, I'm old. Oh, Man, maybe, maybe I've never been online. <laughs> I think like, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. I, I got in trouble for telling dirty jokes when I was mm. a kid. That was that was a thing. I, I, I remember one of the first things I did in like maybe were you, six or seven. Were you grade. writing foul limericks? Well, Brian, funny you should mention yes! that. Um, yes! It wasn't a limerick. It was not a limerick. Fuck. I did rewrite the lyrics to Giants in the Sky from Into the Woods okay. to be giant in my pants. Okay. And yeah, yeah. I got in trouble. Well, here's the thing about it. Was that I got in trouble from the people from like the uh, uh from the people who ran um the youth theater that I was a part of. But afterwards, the parents came outside and they took me aside and they're like, but how's it go though? And they made me sing the whole song in its entirety for them because they thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, I wow. don't remember how it goes, but I do remember. Uh, I do remember the bit at the end. They are big, tall, terrible, awesome, veiny, wonderful mm, giant. Yeah, I would like cut out good. for that one, yeah, 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 yeah. and it yeah. was just like that was that was it. And and you know what? As a consequence of those adults laughing at that, you all must now suffer every time we do a musical episode to listen yeah. to me rewriting the lyrics to the song. I had a childhood. Uh, incident. I think I was like 11 years old at the time, and my siblings that I had gone to stay with my my grandparents for the summer. My grandfather and his wife were like evangelical Christians who were very devout. Yeah. Like my grandfather was a you know born again later in life, and um, I was actually after this visit, I was banned from returning to their home ever again. And they said it was because I had written swear words in the sand huh. to show the neighbor kids. <laughs> Uh, but I have a, a very strong oh, suspicion yeah, that that's not what this was actually about, because my grandfather also made a brief reference to the fact that he thought I had viewed pornography on his computer, mm. which was true. But what I had actually been doing was reading lesbian, like erotic My Little Pony fan fiction. <laughs> and, oh, like, hell to yeah, this dude. Day, like, I think he didn't tell my parents the specifics of it because he was just too confused about what it even was. <laughs> and like, sure. to this day, I still wonder, like, what did he even think he was looking at? Like, it kind of haunts me. I can never ask him now because he's passed away. So I just mm. have to I have to live with that for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to any sort of uh, illicit or obscene or, you know, otherwise uh, body content, right? Mm. There's really just this thing throughout the culture that it almost like wants to pretend that if we don't acknowledge it, then 
it won't be there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and what this does then is it leads to an incredible amount of pent up uh, frustration, right? And, and, and guilt and this feeling of like, well, surely these feelings that I have and the, the, you know, these, these things that I'm reading or seeing or whatever, like I am the only one who is experiencing yeah. this. I'm the only one who's doing mm. this. And what I'm doing is so fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. And you develop a complex about it after a while. And, and, and that's exactly what this episode is encouraging you to do is that right. if, 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 if you want to engage in something that's a little bit off color, even a little bit ribald, let alone getting into, you know, actual desire and things like that. It's just like, no, shut it down. Shut yeah. it all down. So, so this episode ends with, you know, Butch goes to the banquet. He sneaks off into the bathroom. He sets off the sprinkler system, fucks everything up. And then he and Sam have like this whole dramatic blow up where everything ends like shit. Yeah. You guys set off the sprinkler system, didn't you? You set me up. You pretended you were my friend. You tricked me. I hope you enjoyed your prank. Mm. See ya. You know, it's so easy for you. You've got your Peter Pan parents and your wonderful report cards and your cheerleader friends. Well, some of us Peter don't Pan have it that parents? easy, okay? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but why do you have to make things so hard? Being in the bones of wrath doesn't help Why do you have to make anything. things so complicated? I don't understand. Those guys are my friends. And I don't have many of those. Mm. How about me? I wanted to be your friend. But not anymore. Why? All I know is that I'd still be your friend if you would quit being Butch and start being Brian again. Brian's mm. gone. Interesting. That's too bad. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Let me know if he comes back. I miss him. Yeah. Goodbye, Butch. <laughs> I had to keep the music. So good. Oh no! It's like an anime. <laughs> like it's, it's it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I immediately thought of the moment in Fight Club where he's like, Tyler's not here. Tyler went away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rip to Brian. Peter Pan's parents were objectively terrible. No, no, no. He's not Wasn't saying they're Peter the Pan's thing? parents. He's saying they are Peter Pan parents. They are parents who are Peter Pan. Both of them. Eternally youthful? Yeah, they're children. He's raised by children. Yeah. Is that what yeah, he's saying? And that's a great child. Yeah. What is happening? What does that mean? What, what doesn't it mean, AJ? The possibilities are endless. Maybe you need to open up the door to your endless imagination, just like mm. just like one Mr. J.M. Barry did in Wait his day. Maybe you should be admirable like Crichton, his his titular Wait. Crichton. Wait another a minute, Barry wait a minute, no, no, no. Another one I'm thinking of Wendy's parents are terrible. They're Peter fine. Pan's parents are dead. Isn't that the whole point? He's an orphan? I thought he was just like a Peter demon. Peter Pan doesn't have parents. That's why he's in Neverland. No, that's why they're not Peter Pan's parents. They're Peter Pan parents. They're parents who are Peter <laughs> yeah, Pan. Yeah, the parents are like, Peter it's Pan. Like, it's like Peter. It's so hard it's like AJ, AJ. AJ. <laughs> No, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Peter Pan parents picked a pack of pickled peppers. <laughs> so, you know, you know, there's Peter Pan peanut butter, right? Yeah, it's, peanut it's peanut not butter. Peter Pan's peanut butter. It's yours if you no, it's buy not Peter it. Pan's right? peanut butter. Or belongs to the store or whatever. It's peanut butter that tastes like Peter Pan. Yeah, it's made out of... Peter Pan. It's made out of Peter Pan. Just like these parents are. <laughs> they're, pe- they're parents made out of the They're Peter Pan the peanut butter Peter parents Pan. picking a pack of pickled peppers in Oxford, right. New Jersey. <laughs> what is this? The aristocrats. 
<laughs> oh, we're going to get even more insane in the second half. How about that? They gesture at like Butch having like a rough childhood or a difficult mm-hmm. life. And like, that's why he's like this. They offer zero specifics whatsoever. No, his yeah. mom just seems fine to me. His mom, his yeah, mom seems no... no different from Sam's mom. Maybe she's yeah. also Peter Pan. I'm surprised <laughs> that like they didn't sl- they didn't take the opportunity to slip in like, oh, he comes from a broken home yeah. or like some, some other talking point like that. There's right. just nothing. Yeah, like they could have. They, they have people in Odyssey. They have kids already who do kind of come from yeah. broken homes that they yeah. could have used for this episode. But instead, yeah. we just meet this kid who who is like his name being Butch. Like he's not as bad as Rodney. Do you know what no. I mean? Like Rodney Rathbone yeah. is just like uh, mischief incarnate. Butch is just kind of half in, half out. And like, yeah, yeah, sure. At the end, he like fully commits to being a bad kid. But yeah, his japes are going to be out of not control really? from now on. Like, well, AJ, yeah. Donna yeah. has done more property damage AJ, it's, than it's Butch It's really has. interesting that you say this about Butch, about who he is and about sure. how he has made his decisions and perhaps that he, he might not be totally sold on the life that he has chosen for himself. Perhaps, perhaps Butch is going to come back. Maybe we're going to see oh. a little bit more of our friend Brian. Maybe he, maybe he is not the worst of all possible Brian's after all, because huh. I am yeah. obviously, but wait, that's, <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. That's, that's really interesting. Hold on. Yeah. Hmm? Sorry. I just, I just got a, I got an email for our sponsor this week and mm. the email address says Butch. Mm. Oh my mm. God. Yeah. What's popping home listeners? Town rap scallion and little stinker Butch Evans here. Are you tired of dealing with the doldrums of modern society? Does the idea of a suit and tie make you want to blow chunks? You ever find yourself staring into the middle distance saying, boy, howdy, I sure could use a good pounding? Then get your bony butt down to the abandoned racks roast beef near Gowers Field and join the Bones of Wrath today. Voted Odyssey's number one gang of roving street children since 1987. The Bones of Wrath ain't just a bunch of disaffected youths aged 6 to 16. We're also a community-minded organization with a focus on sustainable living, equity for all, and giving the dweebs of Odyssey a one-way ticket to Bone Town. We do all sorts of community outreach, poundings, pranks and prank poundings. So join the Bones of Wrath today and take part in our initiation ceremony where we take you to the Odyssey Cemetery for some light grave robbing. Can't join the Bones of Wrath without stealing some bones. Come to think of it, there have been a bunch more graves up there lately. Fresh ones too, Rodney said. I asked him how he knew and he said, trust me, my dad knows graves. No markers or anything. No rhyme or reason, just just mound after mound of uptoined oith. So we dig one of them up, you know, get our hands on some sweet, sweet bones. And what's weird was the body or corpse or whatever, it didn't have no face, just a mouth. This huge gaping mouth filled ear to ear with too many teeth. And Rodney and I, we were like, what the heck, right? So's we digs up another graves, and this corpse don't have no face neither, just that same mouth again. So's we dig up another, a face full of ears, another, a face full of nostrils, another, a face overflowing with dull, lifeless eyes. 
So I sits on the grass and I says to Rodney, you know, I says, what is all this? And Rodney looks at me and says, you kidding me? It's a freaking gold mine. What are teeth but the bones of the face? But I'm not so sure. I, I think maybe something bad's going on over there. And I'm going to figure it out. Well, my name ain't... Who's there? I said, who's there? I warn you, I got cherry bombs. Ah! Ah! Oh, please don't break me. I have a weak heart. Lorne Ligorium? What's a goody two-shoes like you doing at Bones of Wrath HQ? Looking for you. Well, not you explicitly, but Out like with it, Dwee, before I start pounding. I hear you know how to blow stuff up. Maybe. Have been known to dabble in cherry bombs from time to time. Fidelizer, when the mood strikes me, oh, wants to know. Me? Obviously. And my friends, we need a lot of firepower and Whoa, fast. whoa, whoa there, champ. Pump the brakes a bit. What exactly are you looking to blow up? I can't tell you that, but let's just say that if we pull it off, it'll be the greatest prank this town's ever seen. Oh. <laughs> a prank, you say? Well, you have definitely piqued my interest. Okay, Lord Ligorium, let's get to work. I'm recording for my for my boyfriend, so I don't actually have it on me. But mm. uh, this past year, I bought a piece of untranslated Japanese Detroit Become Human hentai, <laughs> uh, like a little a little like uh, self published comic book from a very aggressive hentai salesman. So this aggressive hentai salesman. What are the pressure tactics that a uh, that uh, an aggressive hentai <laughs> an aggressive hentai salesman uses? I mean, first off, he's like you know shouting like a carnival barker sure. from the hentai booth, trying okay. to get people to come and stop. <laughs> and then once you get there and you're perusing the hentai, right? You know, he'll be like, "Oh yeah, you you know, like I, I think he said to my my boyfriend who was not buying hentai at the right. hentai booth, like, oh, your your balls are gonna be full tonight. His balls are gonna be empty, and your balls are gonna be full.' <laughs> um, it's shit like that. Hold on. No, I, so this, this no, was in English. This, this was, was a, yeah, the, the hentai salesman was in English speaking. The hentai sure. was almost exclusively okay. in Japanese. Yeah, I was just assuming you were hearing a bunch of stuff in a language you maybe didn't understand, mm. but it was just very, very convincing just from the tone and the cadence. <laughs> I'm imagining it in sort of the old school carnival barker voice where it's like, now listen here, kid, you can come and you can get this world class <laughs> hentai. Your balls will be so drained you won't be able to jack off again for two weeks. I've had people come to me, old house. Housewives, young maidens, and they have said that their pussy has been wet for 30 days. 30 days straight, not a dry pussy in the house. Like, you're not as far off as you might think. And also, I want to clarify that this is like, this guy is like, I don't know, like maybe in like his 40s or 50s. Mm. This is like a middle-aged hentai salesman. Sure. I feel like that's an important detail. Gil from The Simpsons. Another detail is that somebody from like the somebody sh some someone in a, a Shadow the Hedgehog costume <laughs> showed up. AJ just and, got like completely yeah, rock hard just now. Yeah, uh, bought like a, a stack of I think it was like Yu-Gi-Oh porn that was like oh this high. These were not cheap. It was like thirty dollars for one oh, like comic yeah. book because they're imported. Yeah. Wow. So I can't even imagine like the stacks that this person was dropping on. Yu-Gi-Oh! Hentai. 
which unless they were fluent in Japanese, they couldn't even read. Right. Like, it's worth it because it. to get your balls come yeah. free, you know, like and yeah. to completely mm, to, to fully drain. drain there was... You need a cleanse every once in a while, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So, so in the second half of this episode, uh, we have decided to not talk about Adventures in Odyssey <laughs> anymore. And instead, we will be it's reviewing Welcome to Hentai Cast. R- rare yeah. Hentai. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately, we have to go back to the shit here. I mean, I guess, I guess we don't have to, but I feel like we should. So we're going to be moving right on to... <laughs> The truth about Zachary. We're, we're hopping back just a tiny bit. So these episodes all happen yes. consecutively, but this is episode number 299. And it is right. also by Marshall Younger. And a man known as Paul Malm. I don't <laughs> know who a, Paul Malm is, is, but... The rural juror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I thought his name was Paul Lalm. Like it was according like, to according like a, to like AIO Wiki. No, no, it's according Paul to Malm. AIO Wiki. Paul Malm has exactly one credit, and it's this episode. Yeah, I'm so assuming let's go. because Paul McCusker also co-wrote Pen Pals, the one about Jenny, the the blind right. character. Right. He co-wrote right. that with someone named Van Trapp. <laughs> I love I love his cool. family singers. Hold on, we've uh, Josh. We've actually got them here tonight. The Von oh, Trapp yeah? family singers. They're gone. <laughs> 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 Thank you for setting me up for that one, AJ. Oh, I love a sound of music reference. Yeah, is this like a diversity I consultant think, yeah, or something? This might have been a consultant of been. some kind because I cannot yeah. find Van Trapp or Paul Malm. I can't find them anywhere. Well, if I were a disability consultant that I had worked on this episode, I think I would want to use like an Alan Smith. Oh, no doubt. I would, no do doubt. I would never want name. my name yeah. attached to this kind of bullshit because the truth about Zachary uh, is an episode that deals extremely sensitively uh, with the question of physical disability yeah. it, it, with with all of the care intact that Adventures in Odyssey is known for. <laughs> hey, this is Brian cutting in during the middle of the edit because I did, in fact, find out who Paul Malm was. No, he was not writing under a pseudonym and no, he was not a disability consultant. He was actually the owner of a church supply company. And I guess through that got a contact with Focus on the Family where he had submitted a few scripts, uh, I guess, on spec. This one was the only one that got picked up and made into a, a, a full blown episode of Adventures in Odyssey. And he ended up not cashing the check because he felt that the script was changed so much that he didn't recognize it as his own work. And apparently he wasn't even aware that Zachary then became a recurring character on the series. Uh, Why do I know this? Well, it turns out that Paul Malm's son, Zach, who, yes, the character is named after, he has a podcast called Veterans of Culture Wars. And in their fifth episode, they actually talk about the truth about Zachary. So we're going to link to that in our show notes. Van Trapp uh, is still... AWOL. Far less care intact than they provided for the Jenny episode, which, of course, was written by Paul McCusker, a Mm, much better writer overall. To get into it here, uh, we meet a kid named Zachary. Mm -hmm. Zachary's got a busted old wheelchair uh, that that he that he uses uh, and he has just moved to town. Right. And he really fucking hates Odyssey. Yeah. It's just Uh, him and his mom. Yeah. He calls Odyssey a sorry excuse for a city. Mm -hmm. And my note there was with your brother. (laughs) I am right there with you. But yeah, basically, Zachary is salty with his mother uh, about the whole situation. It'll get better, Zach. When you go to your new school, you'll make friends. Oh, yeah. Lots of friends. Everybody's going to want to be pals with a kid in a wheelchair. I'd really be a lot of fun to play with. I don't want to hear that. You never want to hear that. Stop it. Don't you sit there and act like this is easy for me. You're right, Mom. You're the one in the wheelchair. You will not 
talk to me like that. I am doing the best I can, and you better start trying to do the same. You will go to school, and you will go to therapy, and you will make the best of this situation. Is that clear? Yes. Good. Now eat your dinner, and then get ready for bed. You have to get up early for school tomorrow. This is two minutes in. Right before this happens, he also knocks over just an obscene amount of boxes. Like, <laughs> I, I, I took I, I took the note, like, it's just like, what well, you hear one or two boxes fall, and then they keep talking, and in the background, like, eight more boxes topple over. <laughs> oh, Zachary, you've, you've knocked over my Rube Goldberg machine. It's been so long setting that Now up. my alarm is going to go off six hours early. <laughs> My toast isn't going to pop out of the toast. <laughs> Thoughts here about I'll never be able to sharpen my pencil again. Thoughts hey, here. It's the mom about, from McGee and Me, by the way. This is the yeah, mom yeah, from yeah. McGee and Me. So we've got the whole cast here. There we go. Wow. So, but yeah, thought, thoughts about this uh, this scene and just this way of setting up a character. I found this so strange. Honestly, I was just relieved that like there was a that Zachary like Zachary rules. <laughs> I love Zachary. Yeah, Zach Zachary. Yeah. He, he does nothing wrong. Like to just have a character with like a single character trait, which is that he's kind of a pain in yeah, the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like depressed about being in a wheelchair. It's like, okay, thank God, at least that's something, as opposed right. to sort of the the like perfectly smooth yeah. spherical <laughs> qualities of the other. All of the smooth yeah. children like of Odyssey. Shapes in my head. Yeah. Spherical children, the AI yeah. children of Odyssey that are just a little yeah. bit. Who are these children coming down? <laughs> it is nice that he talks back to his mom, and yeah. that. He has a good point about yeah, it. Yeah, honestly. Like, like I, and, and he is obviously framed as being in the wrong here. But what he's saying right. is, is sort of viscerally true and is a true emotion that kids can have mm -hmm. being frustrated to be put into the scenario. And, and what, um, what we learn later about the circumstances that they're in, it also makes sense that his mom lashes back out at him. Because she's right. at the end yeah. of her rope here. Right. It's not Which a good is, scene. Again, it's a little too much. Uh, yeah, I feel like that, no. that extra layer is a little is a little much for this episode no. to handle. Yeah. This, yeah. This is also, I think, a thing of like if Paul McCusker had written this episode, it would just feel a bit more real. Whereas there's something about the way that this is calibrated where it just feels like melodrama for the most yeah. part. Yeah, especially in the way that Sam interacts with other kids as we continue to go through this episode. Yeah, um, that's right. Because you said Sam, you mean Zach, right? Zach, whatever. <laughs> They're all the same kid. <laughs> yeah, who fucking cares? Uh, and, and Zach, by the way, speaking of all being the same kid, oh, yeah. Zachary Sellers is played by Chris Castile, who appeared once before uh, as okay. that kid in Iowa when Eugene and Bernard were on their road trip. Chris oh, Castile is the, the kid who was on Step by Step and also Hey Arnold. Right. Yeah. His dad was yeah. his dad was uh, absolutely terrifying. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's a really fucking oh, dark God, side yeah. of the and and the prize pig. Yeah. Same kid. We then get Zach <laughs> at school and we get another Odyssey standby, which is the swishy teacher. We love a swishy teacher. Yeah. This is Phil oh, Lawler doing completely forgotten. doing one of the worst performances he's done in the show. I think. Which is saying something. Yeah. And we learn that Zach is. From the city of Richland. Yeah. And where the land is rich. We just get a whole bunch of bullshit here. Like he gets, he's like, oh, I don't want to be here. And yeah. they're like, but you have to speak up in well, class. He, he shows like, up and then to. Lucy, and he's like, hi. And then Lucy's like, oh, excuse me. When we have new students, we <laughs> like to right. put them in front of the class so they can tell everyone about themselves. Lucy is 100% <laughs> the kid who would have been like, um, teacher, um, you haven't asked us to hand in the yep. work from yesterday. Like she's that fucking yeah. kid. You know, I got a lot of pushback 
when I was first introduced to Lucy Cunningham mm. Schultz, because I said, I do not like this child. Mm-hmm. I find her to be extremely annoying and a goody two shoes. Yeah. And there was mm. some pushback to that. Yeah, because well, she's a some... child, AJ. Come on. Uh, okay. As a character, <laughs> as a character in a fictional TV show, I fi- TV show as a character in a fictional audio drama, I do find her to be incredibly annoying and it has not gone away since but there Mm. are some really big lucy cunningham schultz defenders out there so my question for you max is pro or anti lucy cunningham schultz this is kind of a comp like i agreed the character as written is really grating but i feel like i understand the role she's supposed to play in the show Mm. as like sort of like a moral sense i don't know like i feel like an ideal Mm. world she would be like more of a lucy uh, a lisa simpson type character but because she has to be in line with like the ethical world of adventures in Odyssey that inevitably makes her really annoying. Yeah. 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 She is the mouthpiece of the show. And maybe that's yeah. why yeah. I respond so negatively. Well, and to she's her. such an adult, especially in this episode, right. the way that she and Zachary, who will get the name correctly this time, the way that they are written, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in the title, uh, the way that they're written is like they have grown up banter with each other. Yeah. They do not talk. And Marshall Younger wrote the other two episodes we listened to before. And the kids more or less talk like kids. They they, they don't they don't ring the alarm bells of like this is just weird bullshit writing. But these 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 exchanges that Lucy has throughout this episode, it's already weird that she like works for not just a school newspaper, but the real newspaper. You know, we've we've had some odd plots with her already, but here uh, it really crosses the line into just irritating bad writing. Yeah, well, and because a piece of it is that Lucy is incentivized to get to know Zachary better on multiple levels, yeah. right? There's the fact that she, because she's fucking annoying, wanted to pester him into going up in front of the class, mm-hmm. and then that didn't go well, so now she's even more interested. But there's also the fact that, I guess, for her assignment for the school paper, for which she is also getting a grade, question yes. mark, she has to interview him? My school didn't have a paper, so I'm not familiar with the, the actual did, machinery of this you stuff. You didn't get but. graded for that shit. It was an extracurricular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, They have to have some reason why she's like so dogged to get this interview, right? And I, but then I, she's I get not? grades... Like, she's like, oh, I could do this interview, but I could also just not do it if you don't want to. And then he becomes the engine for it moving forward. Yeah, but but I don't know. I, I, I got the sense throughout the entire episode that it was really her pushing, 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 because he is so against talking to anyone about anything. Yeah. He's Bartleby the Scrivener for yeah. most of this <laughs> fucking episode. Yeah, a weird thing about this episode is that, like, he is constantly anticipating people bringing up his disability and bringing up the fact that he's in a wheelchair, but nobody ever does it. Lucy doesn't do it, which, like, right. I think that an obvious way to go with this episode is that, like, she does bring it up or she is curious about it. Like, you know, kids can be jerks or kids can be nosy. Lucy, Lucy is certainly like characterized as nosy elsewhere. Yeah. But instead she doesn't do that, which means that the entire episode is just Zachary being mad at her for like no particular plot relevant reason, I guess because she's annoying, but like we, the listener aren't supposed to think she's annoying. We're supposed to like her. Right. So it, it, once again, it's like, there's this weird like absence of, what what the obvious conflict of the episode w- would seem to be like it just doesn't happen right no right. it's yeah. it's Zach's Zachary is more uh just kind of an awful kid like he he just likes yeah. to start fights that's where he's at in his life he just doesn't care Lucy is is not really even pushing him on it she's saying oh yeah I can back away and he's like you know what fuck it and then he just tells her like a lie about 
about why he's in a wheelchair. Yeah, it, it right. feels very much like Mrs. Erskine uh, at the end of the episode where she's just like, we just wanted to check in on how you're doing OK. Like no one in Odyssey is actually doing the thing that Zachary is lashing out against, which right. it seems to me like it is the Odyssey writer's opinion that it's just like. Well, these these kids in wheelchairs who complain that all ever people ask about are their wheelchair. We as good Christians <laughs> actually don't do that. And they're just being very dramatic yeah. about yeah, this it. This is strange, they? right? It, it, it's hard to know to what extent this is intended to be a character choice, because mm. there, I think, is a world in which you could have this choice mm-hmm. and have it make sense in the context of here is somebody who always has his defenses up to an irrational extent. Yeah. Right. I think that's totally a fair choice that one could make. But the show doesn't really know what side it wants to come down on in terms of how others ought to perceive this character because he is written as somebody who is very much the other. Yeah, there is no world in which Zachary is going to become a fully integrated member of the Odyssey community, because if he was they wouldn't fucking write him like this. And this gets me back to something that always frustrates me about this fucking show is that when somebody shows up who is intended to teach you a lesson about what it means to be a good Christian, they are always treated as being somebody who's almost like a fucking alien. Mm -hmm. And when you you combine that sort of socialization or perception of socialization with the disability, oh, it feels like a real fucking toxic brew, doesn't it? Yeah, it's unpleasant. It's like uncomfortable to sit through. Yeah, and they're just trying to be nice to him, right? And oh, they're the ones that are actually repelling all of our good Christian values. You know, maybe if they were a little bit more Christian, they would open up. Like, it's very insidious. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest surprise of this episode to me is that Wits End is wheelchair accessible. Uh, (laughs) It's an old Victorian mansion. Yeah. Wait, wait. How does he get upstairs to go look at the train? There's a brief mention of an elevator that is never mentioned again for the entire series. Oh, wow. <laughs> we all, okay, and, and, and Wait, by the he way, he put the elevator through the no no door. <laughs> we all know, by the way, based on who Wit is, that he would fight ADA accommodations oh, tooth totally. and nail. Oh, oh yeah. This is a historical building. It would it would be an undue <laughs> financial burden to try to repurpose this, you know, uh, <laughs> landmarked building. We would need to, uh, you Meanwhile, know, destroy he's so many a things. Zeppelin hangar in yeah, the back. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, come the fuck on you think that this guy cares about accommodations get real i just i just want to throw in a little example of just like how lucy and zachary talk to each other just to to drive home my point of what all this is would you mind if i ate lunch with you (sighs) fine i just wanted to ask you something about look if you leave me alone, I will personally go up to your editor and tell him how hard you've worked on this interview and that I've been impossible to work with. That'll save your grade, right? I'm not interested in my grade. Then why do you keep on bugging me? I just want to ask you a question. Go on. I doubt I'll answer it, but go on. I doubt I'll answer it? <laughs> I doubt I'll answer it, but go on. <laughs> like, go on. this is like a workplace drama between yeah. 40-year-olds? <laughs> I thought it was bad. You may be shocked to learn this. I definitely, I can sympathize that it is difficult to write child characters. Like there was a chapter in my comic Mm. where I was writing two of the characters as 13 year olds. And it was a little bit tough for me to like 
look back through my life and be like, well, what do 13 year olds talk about? But this is usually a problem that I solve by like thinking about like character details and like, what does this character like do on a day to day basis? What are their interests? Mm. What are their hobbies? What are the things they like talking about in conversation? Yeah. Um, And like, you know, like what kind of like, you know, milieu have they grown up in and like, how is it like shaped them as a person so far? And like, Odyssey just doesn't have that depth of character writing like ever in any respect. Yeah. Um, so I can see why it would be hard for them to like write good dialogue for like these characters. I guess like if they're going to write the children as little adults, they could at least do so in a in a way that's they could at least do they could at least try to do it like cleverly right. or in a way that's like heightened instead of just having it be it still feels very bland and perfunctory. Yeah. 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 Because here's the thing about this episode. It's not actually about the kids. It's not about Zachary. It's not about teaching. What it really is, is an excuse for Marshall Younger to clarify why her name is Lucy Cunningham Schultz. Yes. yes. That is yes. all yes. he cares about. It is what he builds this entire episode around. It's and I wild. get it. As a lore yeah. guy, I get it. Because yeah, like, for, for many episodes, she was Lucy Schultz, and then sometimes she was Lucy Cunningham. Uh, she had a dad. He worked with George Barkley, but I guess also worked at the newspaper now. Um, yeah, this was him creating a lore-specific reason to uh, those mistakes, to why those mistakes yeah. happened. And it turns out that, yeah. that Lucy has a dead dad, yeah. What also stuck out to me about the explanation for Lucy's hyphenated name is that, like, there's no way that, like, it's because her mom wanted to keep her last name. Yeah, yeah. That would never fly in Odyssey, <laughs> which is the usual reason why somebody has a hyphenated last right, name. Like, right. When I was a kid, most of my friends had hyphenated last names because they came from families with those kind of, like, egalitarian yeah. principles right 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 although right. i would also note that like just for brevity's sake a lot of them would drop one name or the other sometimes depending on like which name was easier to say or like mm-hmm. you know it, it's like it, it's not a weird thing for somebody to have a hyphenated surname that they sometimes only use part of but i guess marshall younger was just really like foaming at the mouth <laughs> waiting to explain that this entire time yeah he loves a dramatic solution and, and, and it yeah. really is dramatic so this is him because he lied to Lucy before about what happened to his legs, uh, he he just starts feeding her a bunch of other just bullshit things because, right. I don't know, he needs someone to talk to. I had surgery on my legs last month because I tore some ligaments. There. You're not writing this down. I don't believe you. Okay, fine. Um, I was skiing and I fell off a mountain. Is that the truth? I was bungee jumping and the cable broke. What really happened? I was filming a rock video and stepped on some dry ice. Why won't you tell me the truth? Because the truth is boring. The truth is stupid. It was a stupid car accident, okay? A stupid car accident (laughs) on a rainy night with a drunk driver who ran into us and put me in a wheelchair and killed my dad. There, are you satisfied? This is too There's much. Your hot story. This is just too much. But I mean, I think that you know, there's 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 something about a story of of acquired disability rather than disability that you were born yeah. with. That, yeah. That that yeah, it, it's something that has happened to him recently. There's a reason he's mad about it. We don't necessarily need the dead dad in addition to that, but so so there was this whole thing earlier where Eugene is gone and they keep like conspicuously talking about how Eugene is not there and it's like we get it Will Ryan wasn't available that day, but Zachary was able to fix the trains. The trains upstairs were broken. He like he's a friend of trains as we say yes. mm-hmm. in, we in the it. industry. Yeah. I love it. My notes just say train autism exclamation point. Is there something wrong? <laughs> The coal car on this train. Excuse me? The coal car is wrong. Wrong? Yeah. Every other car is authentic. But yeah. this is definitely wrong. Come How? on. 
This is a replica of a late 19th century steam engine train, right? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure. This type of coal car wasn't used until 1935. Come on! How do you know that? Trains used to be a hobby of mine. Well, and it turns out it wasn't just a hobby of his. His dad was like a, a hardcore foamer. Yeah, it runs in the family. His dad didn't even work for the rail, which they could have just made that his thing. But no, his dad is like a guy who would go down to the, the station and memorize the schedules. And so he he also developed an interest in trains. But Lucy is telling him, oh, you fixed the train set. You're so smart. You're such a clever person. Like, you should be grateful. You should be grateful for the life that you still have. What are you talking about? I'm talking about how fortunate you are. Fortunate? Are you nuts? I'm in a wheelchair. But you still have your whole life ahead of you. You have intelligence, skills. You're crazy. You're alive, Zach. You call this alive? What do you know anyway? How can you stand there on your two good legs and talk about all I have in this wheelchair? At least you're here. I'd give anything <laughs> if my dad were here in a wheelchair. Oh, boy. What? Oh. <laughs> Why would you want your dad in a wheelchair? Because at least he'd be alive. What? <laughs> it's a correct reaction, yeah. Accident. This uh, isn't, this yeah. isn't yeah. about <laughs> you, Lucy! I know what it's like. His dad is also dead. Yeah. Hey. How like he... could you? All dead you dead care club. about is Let's feeling go. sorry for yourself. Oh my god. god! What the fuck? What just happened? Yeah. My father was also named Bort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is such a like spectacularly bad scene on so many levels. Ugh. To fall back on like the terrible cliche of like, oh, you're in a wheelchair, but you're actually really lucky. Like, first of all, the idea of like he's disabled, but he's also really smart about trains. Like this idea that if you have a disability, you have to have this like compensatory talent yes like you have to be gifted or special in any in like some yeah, other way to yeah. make up for the fact that you're in a wheelchair as if you know it's some kind of personal fault you know it is that classic kind of like very special episode thing and i guess mm -hmm. i shouldn't expect odyssey to know better than that but it's like wow that's that's really rough like what was their their disability consultant i guess was just sleeping on the job well and again uh, it's like indeed, they, they did a better yeah. job with the episode with jenny didn't uh didn't like I, I think when i was listening to you guys talk about the jenny episode uh an earlier episode yeah. of Wits mm -hmm. Endless Summer, yeah. Um, there was some discussion of how like blind people were sort of like a periphery demographic for right, Adventures in right. Odyssey. They listened to the show. show. Yeah. yeah, I guess they just didn't have that same kind of concern for like wheelchair users. Yeah, because like yeah. that's not a significant part of their demographic, or at least they don't perceive it that way. Right. I feel like a big difference here too is that they really didn't in the episode about Jenny. Right. There were a few pieces about what it's actually like to live as a blind person yeah, yeah. Right. There, th this there was nothing specific here about what it looks like when you you know are, are a wheelchair user what what the various impediments in daily life might be like or right. how that makes you feel or how you're perceived other than again the way that he talks about how he thinks other people perceive him which comes across as more of a complex than a real concern yeah and it's it just it, it doesn't feel grounded in anything it, sound, it no. sounds like pull yourself up by your bootstraps a little bit because it's yeah. just like yeah. you're yeah. in a wheelchair, but like buck up, buddy, you're yeah. alive. And it's yeah. like he can feel mad about this. He can feel sad about this. He has but, every right. His dad died. AJ, he can't feel bitter. Yeah. 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 Bitterness. We come back to this time and time yeah. again. Yeah. Once again, that topic rears its hideous head. That to yeah. that topic of bitterness, of yep. letting letting your sadness become sin. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a form of degeneracy, like hanging out with the wrong kids if they're too ethnic or whatever. And they <laughs> in, tell in, traveling in the salesman house, jokes. which gets yeah. burned out eventually. You know, yeah. so there, there's he's he's at he's at the line. He's at the threshold where he could become a true sinner or he could be pulled back by being guilted by Lucy for also having a dead dad. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, it ends in such a strange place. We we, we do so get a nice adult contemporary weird. rendition of the Adventures in Odyssey theme, though. Yes. Oh. <laughs> what a jam. Kixie ninety six point five. That's for my San Diego <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Yeah. So, Max, Um, any other big takeaways from this episode? Yeah, something that comes to mind for me is, like, if they address the issue of accessibility, which is, like, you know, I'm not disabled myself, but I have friends who are disabled. I know somebody who is a wheelchair user, and, like... Mm -hmm. Um, that, that seems like a, a pretty major concern is like, oh, like it's difficult for me to go places because like there's stairs or whatever that I can't climb. And the thing is that if Odyssey like addressed that as a legitimate concern at all, then they would have to consider like, for example, like having a complex about, or like being nervous that people will ask you about being in a wheelchair. That's a personal problem. Mm -hmm. Accessibility is a structural problem that would be solved by regulations, which we know how they feel about regulations over a focus on the family. Um, and it's, they can't acknowledge the existence of a structural problem because that would require structural solutions yeah. as opposed to like being a good Christian, which is their solution for literally everything. Yes, and which exactly. they already mm-hmm. solved it. They have an elevator. and <laughs> a right. Yeah, they have an elevator that we've never seen before and we'll never see again. Yeah. Well, of course you can't because it would go down to the sub-basement and you can't go mm. down there uh, because yeah, right. it's, no. it's hard to tell if that room will be there on that particular day. It does move yeah. around a lot. I am pleased to tell you all mm. that just like Jenny, Zachary will return. Oh, wow, really? We'll have more episodes with I'm Zachary very soon. That. Yeah. Mm. So this is not the only story of disability related to Zachary in particular oh, that boy. we are going to tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so maybe, maybe we will address some of those structural. Pro- oh, what? Boy. What's that? Never mind. Never mind. Uh, we're not going. To, nothing structural. Uh, Got it. Okay. Very no, good. Nothing Wait, no, big, structural, or Bailey. But uh, yeah, we we have certainly uh, taken enough damage to our sanity points. Uh, yeah, let's in go this to a episode, good writer. So we'll go to a fun one. Let's do a fun <laughs> let's one. Let's do a silly one. Yeah. Hey, All right. hey, hey, everybody. Just a quick note. Uh, where's Connie? It's Connie's been not in like, this episode. It's been like eight episodes, and there hasn't been Connie in any of them. I don't know, maybe is Katie Lee was okay? busy. She was probably well, Katie was was busy. So, so this this fourth episode that we're gonna listen to today, when bad isn't so good, is episode two hundred sixty. What kind of title is that? I don't normally critique <laughs> yeah. these titles, but no, like, this one's what? really rough. That, that, that sounds that like Google Translate like, gone wrong. The truth about Zachary. That's fine. The good, yeah. the bad, and Butch. Okay, sure. I get it. Preacher's kid. To the point. Yeah, you got it. When bad isn't so good, <laughs> is it referencing You're me that bad isn't good? <laughs> Sometimes. Well, that's so. It's not so not good all the time. It's, so it's very conditional. Maybe it's because, like in the '90s, you know, kids were saying bad to mean good. Oh, like that's uh, bad. Yeah, like maybe Jackson, maybe that's yes. what they were trying to get on. But possible, I, possible. I don't know. Um, I was gonna say that maybe it's a reference to the Toronto, Canada jazz group, Bad, Bad, Not Good. I think it's that. I think that's it's nothing. I, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fucking it. nothing. No, that's it. Phil is a big fan it. of Toronto jazz. <laughs> he hates jazz when it's in any American city. But if yeah. you put it in Toronto, he's all for it. <laughs> right. So this episode is actually before wit 
left town. Yeah. But obviously, Hal Smith is dead. He is not in this episode. Uh, this was already written, I suppose, to some degree, and they rewrote it to accommodate Eugene and Bernard right. in kind of the wit role that, that so he was supposed to have. This is episode number 263, originally yep. aired on April 9 of 1994. Yep. And this is an Edwin Blaggard episode. Yes. Remember Edwin Blaggard? We love Edwin and Blaggard. I, I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this episode only has men in it. It is an all-male cast, and for some reason... Finally! This happens... <laughs> so, yeah, Connie's not here, and this happens for some reason in a few Edwin Blackard-centric episodes. And I wonder why. Oh, what's that? I oh, think I know wh- why. What is that, Marge? He prefers the company of men. <laughs> I see. Who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> we do. We do. We sure, uh, we sure seems. do. Uh, no, so this episode kicks off with uh, Rusty. Hey, remember Rusty? The, yeah, the, the, the bone bully? of wrath. The bone the of bone. wrath. Oh, there were well, all, yeah. all sorts of comments also about being soft or being a bone earlier Love as that. well oh, that yeah. I didn't oh, yeah. that. Yeah, mm. got a bone down. But, uh, <laughs> I guess Wit has set up some sort of an incentive program program where if you do well on a test you get a free ice cream sundae yeah Yeah. sure but it's implied it's implied here's the strange thing it's implied that you only get this if you were expected to not do well on the test or if you already were because this is like a performance improvement plan he gets a free sundae for getting a b on a test and eugene says it's for and the word he ends up choosing is problem students but he starts out saying something else uh-huh. and I don't know if he was going to say the R word uh, <laughs> oh, I think oh, it started I, with I, a I D was, and so maybe he was supposed I, to say delayed he was say. no it's delinquent delinquent he was going to say delinquents yeah. why wouldn't he just say delinquent why would that be something he wouldn't say because he was afraid that Rusty would leap across the counter and stab him <laughs> so so Wit yeah. has instituted a nanny state program yeah uh, uh-huh. for these yeah. for these juvenile delinquents sort of society yeah exactly. Wit, Wit saw Book It and saw it was T Teaming up with Pizza Hut, which is a, which was woke. And he didn't want kids reading more books, but he did want them getting better grades. Free ice cream uh, is a useful incentive in this situation. Yeah. And so this, this is basically going to yeah. be our A plot. Well, it's really more the B plot. Again, this introduces the B plot they before introduce the, the B plot, plot first. B plot is basically going to be that we've got Sam, who remembers our goody two shoes, and Rusty, who's the bad boy. Yeah. There is once again homoerotic tension here, and uh, Sam just wants to be bad. But sometimes that isn't so good. Sometimes not. In order to get <laughs> Butch back, like I think that that's no, because this, so this no, is no this because we listened to this out of order. This is before the Butch episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he's so, hanging out. So he's not hanging out with Butch anymore because he turned into a bad kid. But he is hanging out with Rusty Gordon, who is also a bone of wrath. Which, like, also like Sam is 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 pretty incorruptible yeah. in the in the Butch episode. But then in this one, he's very easily swayed to do bad things. Yeah. yeah, but God just won't let him do it, which is kind of a fun <laughs> yeah. plot, but. It it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. It's windows again. made of unbreakable glass. <laughs> so that's that's our B plot. Our A plot is that Edwin Blaggard, who is our uh, flamboyant man of the stage, he prefers uh, is the being, company of men. He's <laughs> being Quiet, subjected. Marge. To a surprise inspection from, I guess, the Odyssey Department of Buildings? I don't <laughs> it's know. It's the health inspector. It's the health inspector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and here is our health inspector. Ah, uh, Mr. Inspector. Have you finished probing, prodding, scratching, and crawling around my theater? I have, and I'm afraid the news isn't good. It isn't? It isn't? It isn't. You know, city bylaws state that theaters must meet the same health and safety requirements as restaurants. They must? They must? They must. 
So I'm afraid I'm going to That's have to not fight funny. for some violations. <laughs> no. Mm, 32 to be exact. <laughs> 32? 32. 32. The Donovan House? <laughs> the Donovan House? The Donovan House. Um, I actually worked, once worked at a, a Papa John's that failed two consecutive health inspections. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. What happened? It became a Domino's. Uh, I think that one time it was because a refrigerator temperature was too mm, low. Bad. And then mm. the second time... There was some issue with like surfaces being dirty. I don't know why I explained that. That's probably well, they, not going to be very. I guess what I'm wondering is like, uh, what happened next? Uh, Were they subject they just, to a shutdown or something? No, they just inspected us a third time and then we passed. Uh, okay. It seems like there were some very lax regulations <laughs> involved, guess. unlike in this episode. <laughs> yeah, unlike I like Odyssey. Imagine, yeah, I like to imagine that in, in Odyssey, at some point, there was some kind of like horrific dinner theater accident <laughs> that now like requires all theaters to have the same health codes as yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody got E. coli. Yeah, well, Donna attended a, uh, a dinner theater and it just burst into flames. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. She can't walk yeah. into a building without it burning to the ground. Uh, because Edwin is not in compliance, he needs to ameliorate those problems promptly, yeah. right? Uh, and he's not happy about it. He's not happy about it yeah. at all. That little joke where they do, they say the same thing three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do that. A fourth time in that scene. Ah, yes, yes the famous rule of fours. <laughs> I just yes. couldn't get yeah. it in the clip because it was way too long doing the whole scene. But I, I do love listening to interviews with Lawler where he talks about the finer points of comedy, and it does <laughs> it does make me want to tear my skin off of my body. Uh, he's just he's just so bad at it. Yeah. But the thing that saves him in this episode is that Earl Bowen can do no wrong. Yeah. And can yes. turn even the worst joke into a laugh line. Um, so this scene also started with him getting a letter from Regis that we only get in oh. like the implication. It's, mm. it's it, the, the actual letter was apparently written, but cut from the episode smartly. Hmm. But uh, Regis is making a lot of money in Europe. He's still doing great. While Edwin struggles to keep his theater afloat, of course, uh, right. he is rehearsing apparently a production of Shadowlands, the play about C.S. Lewis, as we hear from the dialogue towards the end. Oh, my hmm. God. Yep. Oh, great. OK. okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So he is advertising the show by going on Shock Radio, Odyssey's yes. number one radio host, Crying Brian, Brian Durr, which is just Brian. Corey Burton. <laughs> Doing an impression of California shock jock, one of Brian Quimby's least favorite men in the world, Tom Lakis. Mm. Yes. And so oh, Edwin shit. gets on here and then this whole thing just turns into a rant against uh, municipal regulations. I mean, let's face it, this town ain't exactly a thriving cultural center, you know. <laughs> no, it isn't. And it's going to cost a lot to operate a theater. Oh, you have no idea. I don't know how you stay open. Well, it would be a whole lot easier if the city didn't saddle me with useless rules and regulations. That's right. <laughs> city Hall got their claws dug in you. Oh, yes. With a ludicrous law that requires my theater conform to restaurant health and safety standards. It's They're a dinner theater. They're making you do that. Yes, can you believe you make it? make food. They've cited me for 32 violations. 32. Wow. Well, that's got to be a record. And they <laughs> want me to put in some ridiculous sprinkler system. Unbelievable. And it turns out in this very right-wing town of Odyssey, people, people do love their big business and they hate their big government. So it turns out... Mm-hmm. The phone lines are lighting up like a goddamn Christmas tree. Oh, every small business tyrant is calling People in, are right? like, this homosexual is on to something. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally wait, wait, something wait, wait, wait. for Brian, me. Brian, Brian, how, how do you know that he's homosexual? Oh, well. <laughs> he prefers the company of men. 
Great, thank you. I still don't really um, know how Phil Lawler and Paul McCusker and the gang write a character like Walter Shakespeare, who is absolutely yeah. the life partner of Edwin Blackard and oh, yeah. Sub and Sub, yeah. and don't realize that that's what they've written. Or Secret Dom. Duke of Burgundy situation. Like, I, I think obviously a uh, very, very fun voice for Edwin Shakespeare and sorry, not Edwin Shakespeare, Edwin, Edwin yeah. Blackard and his partner, yes. Walter Shakespeare. Yes. When they get married uh, uh, in yeah. the 2015 Then he'll be Edwin yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they could do a, a gay, uh, an Odyssey episode about somebody refusing to have a gay wedding, but then they would need to acknowledge that well, gay they, people exist. Yeah, right. which, Th- this happens. This does happen. In, 20, we'll in, in 2014, oh, wow. just look up the ties that bind, parts one through Fourteen. Oh, the ties that yeah. bind. You know, you get you get bound with ties. <laughs> you, you have a your, your theater is uh, poked and prodded. Yep, probing, yep. prodding, scratching, and crawling around. Oh, I forgot about probing. <laughs> when binds aren't so tied, you know what I mean? Yeah. Once these small business tyrants and libertarians call into Brian Dern's show, at this point, uh, Edwin starts going off on like city work, <laughs> yeah. right? And how lazy yeah. they are and how much they suck. And this gets Rusty very upset. Edwin Blaggard on the Crying Brian Dern show. Oh yeah. My dad told me about him. He talks about Odyssey, right? He does more than talk. He badmouths city workers. And he makes me mad. Why? Because my dad's a city worker, that's why. Would you like it if someone badmouthed your dad? You did one time. Uh, did you like it? No. Well, neither do I. <laughs> Good performance. I like this kid. That's not a bad yeah, bit, actually. Yeah. No, it's kind of funny. I, I chortled at that. <laughs> it, it does. It does. It does bring some relief that you did find some comedy in this, Max. Because because uh, we we really tortured yeah. you with this one. We really we really put you through the ringer. Um, would you say that I was pro? <laughs> I, I would say that. I would say that. Yes. Uh, and I apologize for that. God, it's such uh, a bummer. I blame Brian. It's such a bummer that Edwin became a libertarian. Like you know, like it, it was inevitable. I guess. Well, but, well like, only you know, temporarily. That's yeah. right? The way things were in the nineties, the libertarian were kind of if, right. if you were aware of them they seemed like they were offering the 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 sensible path because Clinton certainly right. wasn't pro gay and the libertarians just were all small government on everything smoke weed every no, exactly. day get gay married start your business don't abide by any health codes at all and that's that speaks yeah. in language you know have you read the fountainhead <laughs> here's a free copy of the fountainhead and so Edwin in that early 90s libertarian sensibility continues to rail against other other city yeah. workers up to and including the volunteer fire department. And this is where he crosses. Yeah, this line. becomes like the most popular thing that has ever happened on Brian Dern's show. This is already the most popular radio show in town. But now Edwin is a regular just going on every day of the week doing grinds my gears. And yes. uh, and the, the volunteer <laughs> fire department really, really gets uh, thrashed by Edwin Blackard. For no for no good yeah. reason at all. Oh yeah, I fucking hate volunteer firefighters. <laughs> but it's interesting. Yeah, they should be paid. It's interesting because in this, Edwin becomes a small government crank, and he's the bad mm. guy. Yeah, that is weird, isn't <laughs> it? Huh, like, yeah. Like in the same way that Bernard, when he went on his road trip, and ended up in in the the jail next to that other dude who was like, "Yeah, don't pay your parking tickets. It's all a scheme for the Bilderberg Group." Like that is also seen as like, "Yeah, no, you went too far here. Like this is right. this is ridiculous. Yeah. You can't be making like the the health codes exist for a reason. The volunteer firefighters exist for a reason. The city allocates resources from your tax dollars for a reason." Yeah, local government is okay, maybe, in the Odyssey yeah. universe. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's your friends and neighbors. Yeah, yeah. and like, I wonder if, if this has anything to do with the fact that, like, conservative shock jocks are also presumably, like, 
Odyssey and like focuses direct competition. So Uh, maybe they want to get in their shots on them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really surprised that Edwin at no point screamed about how they were turning the freaking frogs gay. It's 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 sort of like the internecine fighting between like left liberal podcasters and like hard left podcasters. Of course, in Odyssey, things have to come home to roost at some point. And that's exactly what happens. Sam, uh, in order to resolve his B plot, has decided to try to break a window. Uh, he fails to do so because the glass is smash proof, I yeah. guess. And Bernard gives him a very rude awakening about, you know, how bad it is to do these kinds of things. But being right all the time doesn't get me praise from teachers and free ice cream sundaes from Wits End. So what? Huh? You heard me. So what? Sam, doing good is its own reward. And I got news for you. It always pays off. Sometimes in ways you can't see. In fact, most times in ways you can't see, but it always does because doing what's right pleases God. And that's the most important thing now, isn't it? Yeah. So I think this this would play out differently in a modern episode, because what Wit has done as the God Emperor of this town is he has created a perverse incentive in his economy. Right. Sure. (laughs) He has created an incentive to do poorly and then do better. And then that right. way you'll get your free Sunday as opposed to consistent excellence. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like the old email forward, which is like the the wizened old college professor told his students that they were going to be graded communistly, where no matter their performance, everyone would get the the average of all the scores of everyone in the class. And then all the students do bad after that. This is literally just like shit like that. You know, it, it, Wit yeah. is doing a grade yeah. welfare state to think about like all the Christian or right wing entertainment that's being propped up by like I just listened to the the QAA episode about um, the Tuttle Twins cartoon oh, and how God. capitalism oh, offers yeah. all of the proper incentives because it's actually you know based on your performance and it's based on your goodness and then every once in a while you can choose to do charity if you want to but but by evening the playing field at all. By offering those incentives to low performers, you are just going to end up destroying everything from underneath. And to have Bernard Walton, small business tyrant, just be like, no, sometimes you have to do good is almost a breath of fresh air. Oh, well, I will just say briefly that after after listening to three Eugene-less episodes, it was kind of nice to hear from Eugene again. I'm oh, yeah. weirdly fond of him yeah. over the course of my uh, sort of second secondhand engagement yeah. Odyssey. <laughs> if I had to pick a favorite character... I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for. Yeah, the guy. we all love Eugene. I, I mean, my favorite character in Odyssey is, in fact, Edwin Blackard, and uh, uh, he sure does get it, yeah. his comeuppance in this episode. So, so AJ, you're saying sure you like Edwin better than maybe some of the female characters on the show? Uh, uh, I certainly uh, some of them. Sure. Interesting. So, Josh, would you agree with me in thinking that <laughs> AJ might? This. He don't prefers the company of men. Yeah. yeah, do you think yeah, that, I would that's say descriptive? That that, I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true, Brian. Um yeah. I I mean it is. <laughs> it is just it is just factually true. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead real quick then and wrap up the rest of this yeah. episode. So, after Sam gets his lesson, uh it's time for Edwin to learn his. And the way that they pull the A plot and the B plot together here is that Rusty They actually do pull it together, which is rare for do. this show. Yeah, 
Rusty uh, heads over to the theater to lob some cherry bombs mm-hmm. into the rehearsal space. Meanwhile, the volunteer firefighters are protesting outside. They're picketing. Yeah. yeah which is great. Uh, and uh, this causes the theater to catch fire. Mm-hmm. I was actually yeah. really surprised. I was actually really surprised that the uh, firefighters did not burn down the theater because that's what would actually yeah. happen. Right. right. No, but the volunteer firefighters and the people who work for the city are the good guys. They're good guys. Well, protesters are the yeah. good guys. Especially, yeah. especially so a volunteer firefighter, because I guess, you know, they're very virtuous. It's very virtuous to be a volunteer firefighter. Yeah, yeah all those paid firefighters are in the pocket of the deep state. You yeah. know, you really can't. You really can't <laughs> yeah. trust those professionals. But like, yeah, but the, these working men, they come in uh, because Sam is like, oh, no, firefighters. And then and they, they put out the fire. It's not too serious of damage, I guess, to the rest of the theater. But Edwin still has to put in that sprinkler system, which was one of the things he was cited for at the beginning. There's some decent plot machinery here. It could. He really should have a sprinkler system. He should. Yeah, he, he needs to have a sprinkler system. What if, what if a, a local youth burns a building down? They, they seem to be doing that lately. Yeah. <laughs> Often. Yeah. What if they bring an oil lantern into your building? <laughs> That's right. These are the questions that I'm always asking. Yeah. And I'm curious to hear, Max, like the way that they tied this together at the end here, the way that our favorite writer, Phil Lawler, tied this all together were you surprised at like the relative level of competence here? Like what were your big takeaways for this ending? Yeah, I, I definitely did. I was like, oh, wow, they actually like, paid off the sprinkler thing from earlier. I yeah. thought that that was just like a weird because I remember listening to the beginning and being like, but he should have sprinklers. That's <laughs> not like actually yeah. an overreach. Yeah. And then it turns out that in the end, the episode actually does agree with me on that. And it's interesting how like he has the whole uh, Edwin has the whole conversation with Cry and Brian like, oh, like. You know, I have the right to say whatever, whatever I want. And then Brian is like, well, they have the right to protest. And I'm just like, I'm shocked to hear that on an Odyssey episode. And I guess this just sort of like predates that element of the culture war. It like wasn't as prominent then. Or maybe just because they're volunteer firefighters and not. Well, and it's like college students. Partly because it's the 90s and the 90s really flattened politics as far as like the government's role in things. Most of the people in power were in agreement, whether they were in the even and in even the culture war started to flatten. Right. Like right. they were very yeah. vociferously anti-gay policies enacted by the Clinton administration in particular. Yeah. Right. And uh, so the, the politics of 1995 and 1994, when these episodes come out, are more about, yeah, Christian values and whatever kind of boogeyman that that they have on the TV at that time and rather than yeah. rather yeah. than any structural thing they want to build up or any structural thing that they want to tear down. Yeah, perhaps a big inflatable and, dog. <laughs> so at the end of this episode, Sam gets a Sunday anyway. Bernard buys him a Sunday, just like just like the old lady, Mrs. Erskine apologizes at the end of the George Barkley episode and everything ends up fine. We learned the lesson that sometimes you just have to do good because it's good. Yeah, you'll get a Sunday anyway. Fuck it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, though, like compared to the morals of the other episodes, at least it's like internally like that actually is more or less in line with Christian values. Like, oh, you shouldn't do good because you'll be rewarded for it. You should do good because it's the right thing to do. And that's what God wants you to do. Whereas the rest of the episodes, it's kind of like feels like a little bit of a shrug, like the <laughs> the butch one being like, yeah, actually, if you think somebody seems like a bad person at first glance, it's because they are. <laughs> they <laughs> suck. Yeah. It's just because they fucking suck, dude. <laughs> yeah, big piece of shit. Well, and of course, you have written quite a bit 
on the topic of troubled youths and troubled young people. Yeah, I suppose I have. And so I was, that's why I was so excited to show you these episodes before having re-listened to them (laughs) and regretting so seriously that I put this all into a batch. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that that actually leads to, I think, a very interesting question, which is, like, what does it mean to be a bad kid? Mm. And Mm. what do we do with bad kids? Uh, Obviously, uh, in your case, Max, you're dealing with uh, some pretty some kids who have done, uh, you know, have screwed up a little, perhaps uh, done <laughs> done some whoopsies, uh, a light whoopsie. A light whoopsie. Yeah. And I think that the way that you handle it is just like it, 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 like the whole question of the piece, I think, is is the title, which is what happens next. Like, what do we what do you do? How do we as a society deal with with, with like. Uh, these particularly heinous crimes and then how do they deal with forgiving themselves for doing those heinous crimes but i mean what what would your solution be to somebody who gets up to all these japes like how do we how do we as a society rehabilitate these kids it's funny this is a question that like i always find very tough to answer the sort of like well what do we do instead instead of like that kind of carceral punishment logic and it's sort of like the reason that it's a difficult question to answer is because like it it depends. A lot depends. But like, I guess it's less like what exact course of action should be taken in every particular case and more like, how can we reframe the mindset of like, how can we reframe people's mindset away from like punishment as justice and think like, what would actually like benefit the people in this situation? What would actually like leave everybody better off at the end? Because yeah. like punishment and justice are like treated as and understood as the same thing, but they're really not the same thing. Yeah. Like, if, I don't know, if somebody, like, robs your store and then the person who has robbed your store or whatever, like, goes to prison, that's not, like, actually any, like, meaningful kind of restitution. And part of the point of the comic is just, like, those kind that that, that, that kind of mindset, like, doesn't really, like, it, it doesn't benefit everybody. It just makes everybody more miserable. And the reason, part of the reason the internet is sort of involved is, like, the internet is, like, this weird microcosm for that kind of logic of, like, mm. oh, if you do something or say something bad on the internet, like, people are going to bring it up forever until you're dead, and it's, like, oh, you're just a fundamentally bad person because you fucked up, which, like, obviously, like, people do do bad things that they should be held accountable for, but also, like, people don't really, when they're punished for bad behavior, it doesn't really, like, fix them or make them good people. If anything, a lot of the time, it'll, like, cause them to dig their heels in. Mm. And the punishment doesn't benefit the victim either. Right. Uh, Like, they might, like, feel a little better about it, but but it doesn't actually change what's happened or change the circumstances of their life. So what about, uh, what about Butch, then? If if we had to rehabilitate Butch? Uh, Butch did nothing wrong. Okay, good. Okay. We will will weigh that against the future episodes with Butch that we will be listening to in a couple months. Yeah. 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 Well, Max, we want to first of all just thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been a complete pleasure. If people are interested in uh, hearing more from you, finding out about your work or whatever, what should they do? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter or on Tumblr at Maximum Graves or on Instagram, but I don't really use Instagram. Uh, I guess I also am on Blue Sky as Maximum Graves. The social media landscape is kind of a weird spot right now. (laughs) Uh, And you can also check out my webcomic, What Happens Next. It's in my pinned tweet on Twitter. There's a link to it in my Tumblr bio. The URL of the website is whathappensnext.webcomic.ws. And you can kind of familiarize yourself with my work that way. I also have a Patreon 
uh, under the name Max Graves that people can subscribe to, uh, much like one might subscribe to the worst of all possible worlds. Um, hey. Patreon, as I historically done, they might do no. that. They might, they could. I'm not going to say they will or they won't. Um, <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was yeah. a pleasure to be invited on, and it's so so great to talk to you guys. You know, long-time fan, first-time long-time <laughs> listener, first-time caller. First-time yeah. caller, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to heap a little bit of praise on on what happens next we're yes. all going to be on it. praise on it an incredibly dark cool uh dense and fast-paced yeah a very addictive comic yes it just races you through it and then you're like wait a second which person was that i have to go back a few pages and it's it really rewards continual and critical engagement of it. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I just think it's fantastic. And I was geeking out over having you on this episode. I think all three of us were like, I had to, yeah. when I read it for the first time, I had to Google if Griffin was a real person because it felt <laughs> so yeah. authentic and lived in. And uh, that, that I'm, I just assumed it had to be based on a real thing that happened. Like these, these characters feel like they are real authentic people and it is such an empathetic work that does not shy away from showing the warts and all of these characters that I think is so rare and especially rare in somebody as young as you are Max like I I I can't I can't tell you how how blown away I am that 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 you have been able to accomplish this and so young I I can't wait to see the long and promising career you've got ahead of you because it's fucking gangbusters man thank you I really appreciate that yeah as everybody knows I'm 22 years old and one iPad tall (laughs) (laughs) also of course if you would like more of our show the worst of all possible worlds we too have a Patreon five dollars a month or sometimes ten if you want to hear even more five dollars gets you two premium episodes a month it also gets you access to our monthly and installment fancy movie time this month we will be releasing an episode about david lynch's mulholland drive Ooh. and next month Ooh. will be a double feature of luis buñuel films oh god really, you're really gonna rake in the money next month, are fancy you. movies we are not bullshitting <laughs> and of, you and of course for 10 bucks a month you also get access to lads cast which is the unscripted show where we just shoot the shit about whatever is on our mind share our experiences and things of that nature so patreon.com slash worst of all is that link Check it out. Check out all of Max's stuff. And uh, AJ, you want to take us home? Yeah, I just want to say that if you're ever looking to be a bad kid in Odyssey, well, Mm. I have the exact place you should go. And that's right on down to the Donovan House. The Donovan (laughs) House? The Donovan House. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And it seems that Max's cat also agrees. You gotta. Yeah. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. See you next time. <laughs>